0: Yeah, 185 Street. Picks it up. It's a really <laughs> cool arrow. Really, yeah. All right. Yeah. Ah. Uh. Ah. Let the Gotta take a risk for your biggest mistake. It's a badass. Kushgar Colossal. We coming through and be high shit. 47 deep, so everything's getting toppled. Showtime, nigga. Worth the James. Worthy the goggles. Everybody's fucked like a high-priced brothel. You can't out-hustle, or hustler, or so don't try to. Just easy to the hook, sorry, yeah. Fuck humble nigga, <laughs> your rivals. The hoes wanna hang like my pink hoe toggles. Guess who's Bazzac? Smokey and I'm here with the pack. After this, you gon' need you a nap. if throw shots, we don't even react. Like I ain't got payroll on payroll to take care of that. Set it out, wear at. Nigga, flow ain't The bag heavy skin i play it back. Saturday (laughs) Looks good Alright Turn that
1: down Shout out to Joy, Badass though Alrighty It is Saturday May the 19th And this is your host uh, Mario Mario Caballero here Reporting live Well this will be recorded but you guys get it You gotta know what I'm saying (laughs) and uh here with a good friend of mine you want to introduce yourself (laughs)
2: yeah i'm ariel i work with mario um so yeah this is i'm gonna be a guest and you know i'm super (laughs) excited i think this will be a good one
1: (laughs) yeah this is episode 24 of the puro caballero show just uh letting you guys know tune in live or not live why i always say that tune in I th- this is why this is because I used to work in radio, so like I used to do like radio sh- hits. So it's and they like, used to be live. Yeah, they used to be live. Yeah, tune in live cool. at seven o'clock as well. The, the LMU Lions are taking yeah. on the Pepperdine Waves coming to you this Saturday. I also
0: used to do <laughs> a radio show at LMU.
1: Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, so like when I was like, oh, cool. I was like on campus, I would yeah. do like the the sports some of the sports broadcasts sports and broadcast. stuff. Yeah. yeah but But uh, anyway, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play, we're on iTunes Podcast, Apple you Podcast. Are? Yeah.
2: Yeah, look it up. Get the follow. Give me
1: follow. Come on, come on. You just sent me
2: like a SoundCloud. I, I
1: did because that's where I hosted. SoundCloud is like the it's like the home. It's like the hub. It starts there and then yeah. it gets sent everywhere else. But yeah. Uh, yeah, follow me all those places. Um, let me see. Am I missing something? Soundcloud. Oh, TuneIn radio if you have that. I think you have to have a subscription to have that one, but eh. mm-hmm. anyway, I'm on there somehow. Like they let me they let me get on there. They let me in. They think I'm cool. Um also, Instagram and Twitter, you can follow me at Puro Caballero, at P U R O C A B A L L E R O, for all you Ringles. Puro Caballero. Boom, there it is. So, okay. Got down to, you know, get get down to little business here, I guess. You can start to. so
2: much news get going into on. It.
1: Yeah, and this world is, on, the world is literally on fire. Business. Literally and figuratively on fire. Yeah. Uh, one of our 50th states is an island. That is out there in the Pacific. That is spewing lava and magma. So, yeah, that was last weekend, huh? Yeah, I forgot what,
2: what's that name of the volcano again.
1: Um, it's just
2: destroying. Let's see. It's like near a res, near a bunch of residential areas. Mount it is, K it is. something. Uh,
1: let's see, volcano Hawaii barbecue. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Kilauea. Kilauea Kilo- volcano. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway, yep. Some. It was crazy. There was, like, uh, follow-up, like, r- uh, fissures that happened, like, during the week. And there was, like, people on a golf course that there's like, a picture of them. And there's, like, magma flowing behind them and shit. Like, it's going oh, crazy. God. So, like, uh, yeah. Freaking, uh, the world's on fire. Um, yeah, a bunch of shit's happening. <laughs> yeah i don't, crazy. it's it's kind of insane like i don't know if you saw that some of the footage we saw a little bit of it yeah uh, that
2: youtube video you showed me of like the the volcano just
1: yeah taking
2: over that car you haven't
1: had a chance to like see anything else besides no. that though but yeah that one where they really took the car over that one was going around a while um that's crazy people live on a freaking island that where a volcano oh. is active yeah, yeah i hope
2: everyone there is okay <laughs> yeah you know?
1: it's like the, the flip side of like certain things that people don't think about They're like oh this is so beautiful this is so amazing but, but then, then you're the, also yeah. <laughs> you're an active
2: volcano <laughs> yeah
1: exactly it's yeah. like living near the beach or something like that sometimes yeah. people have those houses that are super expensive and pop like right there near yeah. the beach like on the cliff side or something like that it's like yo that's scary like it, just, something like, happens if something like, here like, happens yeah, like you're you're done like, yeah there's no chance so it's, like, there's, like, uh, the beauty and, like, the risk of it. Like, like a
2: double-edged sword. Yeah,
1: exactly. There's like, a, there's, like, the good and the bad. It's, mm-hmm. like, um, I guess other parts of the country, they got other things. But uh, we got earthquakes here, too. and like, so, um, Yeah, it's kind of funny. You see people, they're, like, how the hell do you live in Tornado Alley? Or you, like, talk to people, where you're, like, how, why do you live in, like, freaking tsunami zone in, like, Florida yeah, or something? Yeah. But then they're, like, how the hell do you live over here where there's earthquakes <laughs> and stuff that happen? Uh, Where you can't even have, like, you don't have any chance to, like, get, you know, be prepared for it. Where, like, the other stuff, you get a little bit more of a heads up, but... I don't know. Sometimes I'd rather not know. (laughs) I know. And then just deal with it, see what happens.
2: It's like when you feel an earthquake, it's, like, it's kind of scary because you don't know how strong it's going to be.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And
2: I'm like, oh my... What the fuck do I do?
1: Seriously, it's like... Oh, the craziest... One time I was actually doing, like, uh their baseball game one of the baseball games at LMU I think it was like a junior or senior and I was in the booth by myself and like some of the other staff was in there too um, behind like home plate and I was in the booth and I was like calling the game it was like later at night probably like 8 o'clock or something like that and I'm just like in between pitches just calling it like um, and uh, I'm trying to think who was pitching at the time would have been a Saturday Uh, I can't even remember but it would just be like uh, Stevenson throws a pitch and that one's a little bit outside and then start feeling a little rumble mm-hmm. and i'm like it felt it felt kind of like as if somebody because the door to the, like the booth was open it sounded like somebody had just taken it and just slammed it with like all their power like like that and so you felt a little like rumble yeah. as a result of it so i felt my, my feet rumble underneath it me because i was like kind of standing and I had my laptop up in front and i was like uh folks yeah i think i felt a little bit of a rumble i'm pretty sure that was an earthquake that happened here in southern california and it was just like live on air as i was just doing it (laughs) i was like that was kind (laughs) of crazy but luckily the ones we've
2: been feeling haven't been too bad i think there was a recent one right
1: yeah it happened
2: during yeah it was pretty recent
1: yeah exactly there was one it It was was like like off the coast though um california volcano (laughs) earthquake let's see uh what was the most recent one it oh, looks like there was one. Uh, yeah, up in the Bay Area, three point five earthquake. I remember people were saying they felt it. Yeah. Uh, Tomales, California. I don't even know where that is. Jeez. Yeah, there's been some uh. Some in the Pacific Ocean. I think it was this one, right? Yeah. Five earthquakes Yeah, I think they were down. Yeah, it was like inland. This was like the two weeks ago or something like that yeah so they happen every so often we're just uh hoping that we don't get those big six seven yeah point O's that like can really screw up a uh, whole infrastructure and all that stuff too mm-hmm. And it's no joke this world's crazy mm-hmm. we got oh freaking there's a big garbage patch like uh the great pacific garbage patch that's in the middle of the ocean of like all the plastics and stuff really? like that i like that's, that that's that's yeah it's, that? oh my god it's, it's, on it's, on crazy. it's crazy it's crazy it's like uh i was talking about it i think on one of my other ones uh my other shows yeah the great pacific garbage Patch is here like
2: is it like a giant yep, patch of garbage just mm-hmm. floating in the pacific ocean pretty
1: much yep check it out largest accumulation of ocean plastics in the world is located between hawaii and california um the Kentucky, it's like
2: an island of garbage exactly
1: exactly it's it's insane. It's the uh, largest of the five offshore plastic accumulation zones in the world. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. yeah, between Hawaii and California, it's like huge. It's like so scientists have been like thinking about ways to actually like combat this, uh-huh. and there's been like people who have like thought up of uh, ways to like catch the the plastic and like remove it from from the um, from the water. But there's also an accidental. Uh, Discovery where they, they found an enzyme that helps break down some of those plas- plastics. Oh. They're able they're able to discover that, and so potentially they might be able to use it for this purposes.
2: So look I, at the
1: size, though.
2: What I'm getting is like twice first. the size of Texas. Yeah. Yo,
1: <laughs> three times the size of France. Look at that. That's ridiculous.
2: So this is like just the accumulation of people dumping all their trash on the beaches or something, and then. Oh, part of it. it no, nah,
1: part of it is is some of the trash from that comes from like just waste and things like that but the other part of it is a lot of the the plastic netting that they the fishermen use and things like that and they get broken up and then eventually they get stuck and they they, like all the waves and everything pushes it into like this pile and the pile just starts accumulating and things like that so it's like little things that fall off of boats and all that stuff like really destroys the the uh i guess the life down there yeah i'm, and I'm sure it has like a really fish. bad
2: negative effect on like the ecosystem exactly the ocean.
1: they're saying that they found like plastic polymers and like the fish because they would like you know just consume it like yeah. not even like intentionally sometimes it just be so much like little small ones broken down in the water that yeah. they just like it just becomes a part of the environment that they're living in so they just they take it in and some they're saying that like some animals like what's crazy is what we're doing to the environment is that we're making certain animals have to be forced to adapt to like the changes So then it forces like a different evolutionary process on them So like now that I'm pretty sure there's probably some fish that have uh, Have some adaptations that make it more beneficial where they can survive even with the plastic polymer things out there and uh, Particles and things and I'm pretty sure there's probably some that have died out because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's crazy.
2: I remember like watching this Vox video about what would happen to the ecosystem if Trump were to build the wall. Oh yeah, yeah a bunch did of the animals Did you see that? No, I didn't yeah. see that though. I've,
1: I've, heard, I've heard. Yeah,
2: I remember them saying something like basically, I forgot what animal it was that they have to adjust to that wall, and it has like a really detrimental effect on them. And you know, all the more reason to not build that wall. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, and it's like they got fencing in a large part of it right now too. Yeah this is a little bit easier for certain animals to get through and back and forth but yeah that's like definitely a thing um the animals migration patterns and of like yeah, how that how that's been affected by people fencing and property and things like that that's always been an it that's been a big issue for like hundreds 200 couple hundred years and mm-hmm. stuff like that especially as people who have wanted to own property that is parceled out Let's just say white people who come from the east coast as they've come across america mm-hmm. they've encountered different species of animals that don't necessarily are not adaptable to like those or like those are there's living environments and like the, the native people who lived there before were a little bit more transient where they like they're, they're like okay we're living we're a part of this like ecosystem in this community white people kind of came in and were just like we're just going to do it our way kind of mm-hmm. thing and so there's been negative effects like as you see like as you know moving farther farther west there's been certain populations of animals that have had that issue yeah or just even the invention of like the freeway system that we've had like there's a lot of animals that just get roadkill yeah uh, i see stuff that, like too, that a lot quite
2: often which
1: is which is a thing and like a lot of people don't even think about how that has affected and changed different animals behaviors and stuff mm-hmm. like you know they won't cross like some animals are not smart enough to know that like you won't cross a freeway so, I guess the ones that are smart, they're the ones that kind of live. They kind of maybe their kids have the same chance of being as smart. So, then maybe that animal, like, moves on versus another dumber one maybe doesn't make it. So, it's like that has a big effect. And, like, we don't even consider like that stuff, yeah, too, if you yeah. think about it. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, crazy. Exactly. Ecosystem. (laughs) Can
2: we talk about the royal wedding really briefly? (laughs) All
0: right, all right, all right. My guess, go for it. Meghan
2: Markle and Prince Harry got married this morning, I believe. It
1: was. Yeah, (laughs) it was
2: like I think they. I think it was supposed to be like at four in the morning, our time, or maybe East Coast. I was time.
1: definitely not up. Yeah, I was,
2: <laughs> I was not up either. Hell but no. you know, I'm I'm still glad. Like Meghan Markle, I'm so happy for her. Like she's <laughs> she's biracial. She's marrying into the royal family, but you know, obviously they're like doing it for love. She's not like from from like a royal family like Kate Middleton. So I'm really happy for her. I wish them a happy wedding and. They just looked so beautiful i mean i don't really <laughs> care too much for the royal wedding either but you know i'm just i'm happy yeah I'm happy for them. there's
1: definitely a lot of politics that were going into this. yeah one, yeah
2: exactly just
1: because like there's a lot of people who are like upset because she's got some african blood in her because her mom is jamaican descent i want to say and jamaican american and her dad's just like a white american and so um yeah there's like a lot of uh, people in the uk that are kind of upset they're like nah, you can't what are they dilute the bloodline all that other bullshit that they think of I but know. but uh there's been a few instances that there was like some other like uh princess or someone that was in the royal family who actually they said had uh african blood on like both sides of her family or something like that but she was like you know like i guess it's like considered mixed race mm. but this was like hundreds of years ago and stuff yeah. like that so um that can be kept a little hush hush and but they were saying that like it's it's not unprecedented, I guess, is what is what uh, um, they're saying. But it's like the first time it's been like openly like brought up and discussed. Yeah. And there was a lot of issues too. I think her her uh, her father and her like stepfather. I didn't go yeah. Or there like yeah. That. There were some issues yeah. with
2: like her. So I think Prince Harry's dad had to walk her down the aisle, right?
1: I don't know and what happened, but it was
2: uh, yeah. There's some issue going on with her father.
1: Yeah look at this father here we go we'll see what happened. we're reading it right now boom uh i wish i was there didn't walk her down the aisle that choice was more let's see okay this is a, a, a you know exciting uh podcast right now <laughs> as we as we read what's going on here um they suggested it was his health, that was the reason. Uh, da, 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 da. Have you
2: ever seen Suits? I've never seen Suits.
1: Oh, like the show that she was on? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I never really watched it. I had some friends that really liked the, the show, but I don't know if that's ne- that type of show is necessarily my cup of tea, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, 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 da.
2: Probably something related to his health.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, they're talking about walking down the aisle and the history of, like, what that means and stuff like that. So that's that's opening another can of worms that's uh, over there. Let's see. Um, oh, yeah, I, I, I was reading this about the, yesterday, how uh, Bill Gates said that he was creeped out how much Trump was, like, ogling over his daughter.
2: Oh, that is so creepy. Yeah, I don't
1: know if you read that. Read it was that. pretty pretty... Pretty creepy because he had like met him a couple times and every time he brought up about his daughter it was because his daughter did some equestrian events at like trump the trump property in mar lago down in florida um a few years ago he did she did it like for a couple years and apparently and she was like 18 at the time or something like that <laughs> was, like about four years ago 17 18 so it's just kind of like mm, kind of yeah i think cre- trump's just like a creepy old dude he is. yeah <laughs> um yeah so apparently he like talked to her it was being nice left the property 20 minutes later flew in on a helicopter to the same place <laughs> to make a grand entrance um let's see say so, it's kind of scary how much he knew about my daughter's appearance <laughs> Melinda didn't like that too well it was being crazy um oh he was asking what this, there's a difference between HIV oh and HPV God. like are you fucking kidding me? I know. <laughs> like yeesh yeesh Yeesh. It's like, come on, bro.
2: Okay, so what else has been going on in the news? I know there's Kinda been a the shooting in Texas, that school shooting at a high school.
1: Yes. That's it's like
2: shooting after shooting. Like, when is the government going to do something about this? It seems like they're not going to do anything about this.
1: Not now, at least.
2: Yeah.
1: It's kind of a sad reality. The freaking NRA has, like, so much leverage over a lot yeah. of people. And uh, a lot of things. It's... I've seen some cracks in it, but it's still, like, it's still there. There's like, still a lot of people yeah. who, who are about about all that. and
2: Like, you would think, like, after the Parkland shooting, like, they had a, they, a CNN town hall, they had that March for Our Lives thing. you think there would be, like, some sort of movement towards, like, stricter gun laws, but then you see this happen again. It's like...
1: Because people are in their bubbles and when they don't, don't si- want yeah, to hear the other side.
2: When is this cycle ever gonna end?
1: It, yeah, it's a it's a uniquely like American problem yeah. too. So it's like, it's it, you you think of like logic and reasoning and you try to apply it to like what's the uh, and there's like very lot of there's a lot of different confluence of different issues going on because like obviously the one excuse that a lot of people like on the right like the use or the one thought pattern is they'll say like it's a mental health issue they'll try to frame that discussion that way
2: blame it like on that but
1: which there is some validity because i think mental health doesn't get discussed enough but outside of the context of like mass shooting it hardly ever gets discussed so you never really see the people use it it's almost as like a scapegoat as like the trump card that the the, like the conservative uh figures use for like Oh, there's a mass shooting? Well, it's it's because of mental health. Well, what are you guys doing about it? And then nothing, no follow-up yeah, or anything yeah. like that. So th- there is that. That is an, a factor. I'm not going to deny that. But people have mental health problems in other parts of the, of the world. And, and don't they don't necessarily that have that same access to guns that it's so easily. Where, like, this guy in, like, Santa Fe, Texas, yesterday, they are saying it was his parents' guns that he used. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean... That's another thing it's like not being responsible gun owners even Mm -hmm. like the people who like want to own guns those are people not being as responsible to to what they have and then it's just like I think of people who like do risky jobs or like uh, have access to doing things that people might consider like a, a risk in some certain aspects like driving a car or being able to drive a motorcycle or operate heavy machinery and stuff like that you have to do like training and testing and you have to like if you have to have a driver's license if you like have an accident or something like that and you're at fault you might need to do like some training Mm. because of it like mandated by the government or something like that so it's like um why can't you have something similar to people who own guns so let's say maybe every three to five years you got to like renew your gun license and you have to do a test and do some training right so like um that's a good idea or it's just like this little simple stuff like it, it doesn't have to be as black and white of like you can you either have guns or the government's going to come take all your guns away or it doesn't necessarily have to be that way like there's sensible there's a sensible middle ground that people don't want to like bring up i feel like if you think of things like practically cuz i think the ability to own a gun is like different it means different importance depending on where you live and like what environment you're in
2: yeah cuz like yeah. for me i've never grown up with a gun like yeah. i've never even shot one so i'm right. like You know, you know, I don't really know what it's like.
1: Right. Versus like maybe someone like myself who like is growing up in like more of a country setting, like more rural area, Mm -hmm. where I could see like there's a need for like a gun when there's not people like the next closest person to you is like two miles away, Mm -hmm. and um, if something happens to you out there, like the cops aren't coming up for hours, and like or the sheriff isn't coming for hours sometimes, Yeah. yeah, or like it's there's they're too far where. If something crazy is happening to you now like for instance somebody's coming to like assault you or something like that and then you
2: call 911 they won't show up until like a couple of hours or
1: they might not show up until maybe like an hour from just because they're so far and the little smaller communities sometimes if they're preoccupied on something too then it might take them longer to get to where you're at yeah and then these like small municipalities and these counties they're um um, it's, it's large, largely spread out but there's not as, that many people too yeah, so exactly. it makes like getting to the scene of the crime or whatever's going on difficult versus like if you live in a city it's a little bit easier uh, for like that to happen if you like you call law enforcement and mm. for them to show up now how law enforcement is going to treat you when they show up is also a diff- another different yeah. discussion based off of where you're at in a certain town even in the countryside too sometimes but that's like that's just kind of the idea it's like when you're out there you can it's things get kind of a little hairier and like there's a lot of real true life crime stories that have happened like in the areas where I grew up like in outside of Stockton mm-hmm. like there's this for instance there's these one guys these two these two killers he's like I would say like they're mass murderers or not even mass murderers but they're definitely like sadistic murderers mm-hmm. or they were uh, they were called the speed freak killers and they would um hot, get hop up on like meth
2: that reminds me yeah. You know they caught the Golden State Killer yeah. using gene DNA stuff Yeah, I saw from that. like sites like like I don't know I don't know if it's exactly like 23andMe but sites like that yeah that's crazy and they
1: got it off a cigarette bud too the DNA
2: yeah they like, used like the genealogy of like people he was related to right or they, something I
1: don't I'm not sure what the what it was but I know they caught him like using like crazy DNA evidence and yeah so they caught like, him
2: like four decades later
1: yeah it was insane he was an ex cop too he actually m- committed some murders in lodi the the town north of me so that was gonna that was gonna be like my segue into that i was gonna bring that up so like there's like legit articles from the 80s and like the stockton record of like the east side killer and stuff like that yeah. and they didn't know who he was and he he like lived in or he was like he was in that area for like a period of time in the 80s like oh. like he, this is like the yeah we like feel it like it's like right there kind yeah. of thing so so yeah there's that that happened but like i was saying the speed freak killers are these two guys that like would be out in the countryside on like the east east of stockton so in like linden area or escalon area way out there and what they would do is they would come up to like a lot of they would you know get get high on meth and or get drunk or and or both and they would go and drive out to the country where like these like intersections these stops where these these long long stretches of like two lanes two lane streets and highways and so it's like like i said like maybe like five miles to the next like major like rest stop area where there's like a you know like liquor store or like a you know grocery store or something it's like miles on either end so they would go out to these like remote locations in the middle of the night and they would take like a hatchet and they would they find these women who were like driving solo yeah. and they would stop them and they would like pretend like they needed gas and then they would like brutally rape and, and murder them and they had like dozens of bodies of like People that like went disappearing and they they ended they let they dumped a lot of the bodies in some of the wells in the area And like and they they had a couple different um, locations where they would do that so that they never caught them and they, they were uh, They never caught them like in the middle of while they're making the killings, right? Mm-hmm. So these two guys both of them eventually went to jail for different like charges and offenses yeah. And they didn't put two and two together. So they were in jail one of the guys, I think, died in jail, and the second one, he was still alive, and he eventually became, uh, had a relationship with uh, this guy who was a reporter for the Stockton Record, which is a local newspaper, and then eventually the guy started spilling the beans in terms of what he did. He started, like, admitting to everything, because he, he was going to be in jail till he died, pretty much. So he started admitting to stuff, and he told the reporter, like, the exact locations of where the bodies were and things like that, so this was like right after i graduated high school so about like 2011 2012 they immediately started excavating and going into all these locations there and areas mm-hmm. and stuff like that and out in that area i have like some cousins and like aunts and uncles that like have a property where they could literally like a couple properties down they were doing the excavating and stuff like that like right out there did you
2: see it
1: like oh yeah when i visited them oh like at their God. house and like they were like yeah they're you can kind of hear like when they're doing the digging yeah. and like all this stuff and it's like you know, um, couple couple properties over, yeah, and yeah. Uh, they they were telling me about it and all that stuff, and I was keeping tracks, of, like reading the articles of like what they found, and yeah, they found a lot of bodies that were like buried in a lot of like old wells that were got like um, uh, covered up, and um, they had about like three or four different locations where they had like massive graves and stuff, and it was just like, ugh, it was crazy, and there was like people who came out later and were saying that like, uh, there was one lady who said that she saw them. Uh, and the guy had like a, um, a ha- like a hatchet or like a um, you know a machete uh, not a machete but axe uh, like an axe pretty much and was like walking up to her car like uh, like super late at night like in the early nineties and she like eventually got away like she zoomed off like right there yeah that's good but uh she, yeah she was saying that else yeah I was for sure them and yeah. that there was other accounts of people saying that they had somebody missing that went missing in that area during this time so like it like it was for sure like everything added up like this is like legit what happened yeah and it was like in the area i grew up and all that stuff like right there and so you got like random stuff like that i could see why somebody might want a freaking shotgun but at the same Mm. time they might not necessarily need a freaking ar-15 or ak-47 yeah. or, or like an assault rifle or something like that something that is like a, like a
2: handgun yeah,
1: yeah. I, I can i will give you a handgun i will give you a shotgun if you're out in the countryside too because the other thing too is like animals can attack you depending on where you are like rural, yeah. rural you are like you could have a, a coyote or a mountain lion or something like come and kill your dog like that happens oh. like people's dogs get snatched by like
2: coyotes. coyotes
1: and stuff like that like that happens from time to time um And so, um, or they'll get into a fight with like a a wolf or, or something, depending on where you are in the country and stuff. Like, these are things that people don't consider and like, don't think about, but it's like legitimate reasons for like wanting to, you know, own, own that. Cause I have a grandpa, he owned like a bunch of orchards and stuff like near the Oregon border. Yeah. Um, and yeah, before he passed away, like, I remember we'd go visit him at like, cause he had like another property out there too. And he had one like closer to like where we lived in Stockton. And so we'd visit him every so often, and he had like a um, about like three or four shotguns that were out there. But that's because it's like super rural area, and, and like you got to protect your property kind of thing. So mm-hmm. there's a valid reason for having that stuff, but there's there's you got to be like like you got to put some limits on it, right? Like exactly. not not everybody can get a driver's license, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. I remember like listening to a podcast about how they caught the Golden State Killer using like genetic databases uh-huh. that people would use and upload yeah. so there's like some there's been like some t- debate about that like is that acceptable for cops to use these genetic databases of other strangers mm. so they can catch the Golden State killer how mm. do you feel about that I mean I feel like mm. it's great that they caught finally caught the Golden State killer but then right. also there should be like some regulation maybe like some sort of disclosure like to the people using these databases for their own just knowledge yeah
1: like, I, I, i've read up on some of that yeah. like the it's interesting the, like, the terms of in like uh and the way like what you're giving up when you're signing off on like using 23andme or like yeah uh, whatever. i've never
2: used one of those i've been have you like
1: no nah, i haven't and i've been kind of on the fence about it i've been Apparently really you
2: have to like spit into something yeah you just
1: like spit into a little tube and you give it to them but then they have what they do is they have you sign away like the, I, from my understanding i could be wrong well, my understanding is like you sign away the ability for them to sequence your genes and have that like uh, information like stored just on hand for whatever reason so like um, let's say like in the future like they are looking for somebody who might be related to you or something like that or if they're looking for your like if law enforcement is looking for your specific DNA sequencing to match it up with something that they might consider you as like for like being in jail you've given the, the, your your rights away for them to like so it's uh, it's to, up to their discretion if they want to share that information with like law enforcement, or like for instance if
2: really so you get no sh- no say in that but it's like you,
1: you, you that's like kind of like the the terms of agreement for yeah. them to like give you the information back that. so it's almost like as if they're selling like this like oh yeah you find out where you're from and like all this information I did not even know like they they're, kept
2: the information yeah they keep it after, on after yeah. after they.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, like, people don't consider this. So, like, they have that information on hand. So, like, let's say deep into the future, we have the ability to actually take someone's DNA and, like, create a clone of them for, like, whatever reasons. They have act, they some, they could sell that information to, like, a large corporation that could go ahead and do that, like, maybe without your consent necessarily. I'm just kind of, like, extrapolating, like, where Mm -hmm. this could maybe lead to. So, I'm like, hmm i kind of want to hold on to like what the fuck i have and like have some like independence and shit and shit like that so i'm (laughs) like because i don't i want to like put myself in a good position moving forward in the future but it's like damn i kind of want to know like what kind of like ancestry that i do have in me so it's like there should be an option like
2: when you uh, when you do these like 23 and me things like there should be an option like I do not want you guys to store my data or whatever.
1: The, it's like, even, even check that box. Even still, like the way data runs, it still can be like manipulated and taken and, and like accessed like remotely. So like uh sometimes like for instance like you know when Target gets hacked for like a lot of the account credit card, card mm-hmm. accounts and stuff like that. Sometimes they don't necessarily hold all that information like permanently, but since it touches their servers, if there's somebody who can like get access to that they could, they could pick it up and copy that information. Oh. So sometimes that could even happen too. And you know how like all these, there's a lot of news about like pe- com- companies and like getting hacked and all this yeah. stuff. Or like what they've been into in terms of like the reasoning why they sell data or like how they manipulate data. Like I don't know if you saw like the whole... Um, um, what is it, Technica or whatever, the whole scandal that happened where there was
2: Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know if you've like been reading up on like that stuff and how like yeah, how yeah. how they accessed that information and what they were able to determine uh it was like so much information just based off of your your Facebook profile.
2: It's so creepy. Like
1: they were saying they were saying they were able to determine if somebody who was not only gay, but if they were gay and had already come out to their family or not. Or like to their like social group, just
2: based off their Facebook.
1: Based profile. off of their Facebook profile and how they acted and how they reacted to certain things, and like that's like kind of way too invasive and crazy. Yeah, and like they were selling that information to like Russia and like all these like uh, shady actors who were trying to manipulate public opinion in America on certain issues and topics and trying to distract people. How do you things. think?
2: How do you think? <laughs> like Mark- this is legit. This is real. This is, is actually happening. Is. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> How do you think Mark Zuckerberg handled the testimony when he was testifying? I don't.
1: Did you see the meme of him like you know how the the There do- were so many
2: memes. Did you see
1: the meme of him with the dog where it's like this is fine and like the the yeah, house is burning house. down? <laughs> like that's what I like pictured him in like the whole time like him drinking the water like like looking like all robotic yeah. and everything like this dude is looking shook up there. Yeah, <laughs>
0: like,
1: exactly. He's just looking not confident at all. <laughs> <up there. laughs> And I think he's going to testify in the EU or something like that. Oh, he is? Yeah, I think it, I read about it. So we'll see how that goes. He still doesn't want to testify in the UK, apparently.
0: Yeah. the
1: UK has really, like... Apparently, I think they have str- more stringent, like, anti-piracy. Or not anti-piracy, but, like, anti-invasion. Which, uh, actually, I'm not sure. Um, But, yeah, I think their laws are set up a little bit differently. So yeah. they might actually be able to take some, like, recourse against him or against Facebook. So... We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see we'll if that see. A, that ever does come come true. Yeah,
2: it's, and it's what crazy. Else, what else has been going on in the news? I know there's been like the Mueller investigations. It's been a year. It has been. Since we hit
1: Trump, we hit the Trump investigation. Trump. It's like first year anniversary, which is uh, this is crazy. Um, but yeah. What are your thoughts, though?
2: <laughs> I mean, you know, Mueller's team has been like pretty good at not leaking anything. Um, you know, do you think he's gonna get indicted, Trump? He's his team has indicted a lot of people already. That's
1: what I was about to say. They yeah, they definitely have already.
2: I just always think of him saying, of Trump saying, "No collusion." That's, that's all he ever. No said. collusion.
1: <laughs> no collusion. Twisted media. Liberal. Liberal. Twisted Fake media. Fake news. <laughs> Fake news. Jeez, it's horrible. Yeah, uh,
2: but you know, it's it's just gonna be interesting to see how this plays out. There's you know yeah we'll see definitely what goes on
1: definitely definitely um
2: there's that racist attorney in manhattan
1: yes yeah we can get into that i was gonna say something before we get into that though there was a uh, someone hold on i got i was like i was on twitter and i saw something that was really really good about what you're saying here we go Clinton email investigation, two years, zero indictments, zero convictions. The Benghazi investigation, four years, zero indictments, zero convictions. Whitewater investigation, six years, zero indictments, zero convictions. Trump-Russia investigation, one year so far, 19 indictments, four convictions. Wow. So if, like, you put them in comparison, there's, like, it seems like there's, where there's smoke, there's some fire here. And I think... A lot of it is going to be in terms of the way they're going to get him, I think is going to be a lot more easier, blatant uh, type of uh, crimes where it's like, it'll be like financial crimes or it'll be like shady business dealings with different people like in Russia that we already know has happened Uh, to a certain extent. We don't necessarily know to the degree of how shady or like what actually specifically happened, but... We know he's had business relationships with russian oligarchs before uh we know there was shady business in terms of his miss universe pageant that was in moscow a few years ago and what actually transpired during that trip with him things like that there's been a lot of uh talk about his other businesses that have failed and gone under Mm -hmm. in terms of how they've had some possible ties to uh, like some financial kind of bailout and things like that, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, we know that Jared Kushner sold a large office building or not office building. It was a large, um, I think, a apartment building or something like that in, in Manhattan in New York that he actually bought right before the economy crashed. And he it was like everyone thought it laughed at him because it was just like, dude, you just yeah, like lost I a ton of money. Yeah. And so he was just like, Holding on to that property. Eventually, he sold it, at the, let's say, a couple of years ago mm-hmm. to a, a Russian businessman who, like, paid, like, five to ten times more than what it, like, would have been worth on, like, the open market. So, it's kind of like a, hmm, I wonder why he did that. Wow. Like, he didn't need to buy that property. So, it's like, hmm, I'm giving him some money. there's like a thank you kind of thing. You know, yeah. so, like, there's there's that. There's, I mean, we can go back into, far, farther back into Trump's, like, business life. There's the whole fact that when he was a casino owner in Atlantic City, he had a history of having some connections with people who had, like, uh, Italian mob ties, like, way back then. There was uh, um, one particular individual who would come in, and he was a blatant, like, racist, too. And so he every time he would come into to Atlantic, Trump's Atlantic City casino, Trump would... Uh, call the management and force all of the staff members who are black to be off of like the main casino floor when he was there at the time oh my God. so like this is like well known and documented it happened in like the early 90s and like the late 80s and there's footage of trump with this like i can't remember his name but there's like the shady like guy who was like with the mob the mafia they're sitting together ringside at like a wwe wrestling event at like um Probably in Atlantic City, um, like one of those pay-per-view, like WrestleMania. It was like one of the big WrestleMania events, and that because Trump's like kind of flirted with like, you know, wrestling here and there. Um, but he was there like on footage with the guy, and after the fact, he said he never knew the guy, never met him. Where it's like, bro, you're you're right <laughs> like, we got we got you on tape, we're right here, bro. <laughs> like, what's what's up? Like, so there's it just it goes it goes it goes deep back in terms of him not having the cleanest bill of record for like yeah what he does with his businesses and stuff yeah. um i mean we can start at the fact that his family his parents were like slum lords in new york city mm-hmm. and an applicant and when people would put applications to like uh rent out an apartment with them if you were a person of color they would put a c on your application up on the top big red c mm-hmm. so like they would kind of you know they would be able to redline certain districts and stuff like that kind of like by by you know by their own power. So it's like you can tell like where the the lineage and like the 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 history of where his beliefs come from, especially considering that his like grandpa was also a member of like the Ku Klux Klan in New York really? City. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's like uh and in, in like the the New York Times or like one of the New York newspapers, they it goes all the way back to like the 1800s, right? Um there's like accounts written of like his grandfather being Caught in a, like a rally that the Klan members had through like Manhattan or Brooklyn or some one of the boroughs way back then of like anti-immigrant like rhetoric and all that stuff too. So he's like on record of being known to have been a member of the Ku Klux Klan party when that happened, and the KKK was like real popular during that era of like you know they gained more prominence because. Like, when they were created, they actually weren't that as big in, like, the, the middle, I think it was, like, 1860s they were made. But they gained a lot of prominence during the, the um, uh, whatchamacallit, like, after, um, when, like, the Jim Crow era kind of mm-hmm. came about. Like, after the Reformation era. So, there was, like, a little peak period in time where, like, a lot of black communities got, like, a little some prominence. And then the Klan came in and kind of just smushed them all down again, kind of thing, so... And it happened everywhere, like New York City. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't think of it like that, right? Like it's a big city,
2: exactly. Which I guess
1: can kind of transition to what we're talking about earlier. Attorney, (laughs) that attorney, Manhattan. Yeah, we were watching that video a little earlier. That guy was like,
2: "Dude, that guy's an asshole." Pretty much, yeah. Fucking dick.
1: Yeah, he's like just shouting at people. Like he deserves the public
2: humiliation. Yeah, it was crazy. He's been receiving. It's,
1: It's it's insane. Like.
2: Like, how could, you ju- how could you just assume that someone is undo- undocumented because they're speaking Spanish?
1: There's that, and there's, like, a lot of other things, too. I mean, I'll take it even further. How can you, as somebody who's, like, all right, well, we could take it, we could break it down in a couple of different ways. How are you, as somebody who is, like, uh, Jewish, that has, like, constantly been someone who's, like, a part of a community that has been ostracized mm-hmm. in multiple ways? Uh, like numerous nations and regions and countries throughout history. the whole history of your existence and you've constantly moved and and uh, adapted and, and been able to find a way to survive and everything like that and so you have had like a common struggle that is like unique to your very own like you know history how could you as like a person of that community also lambast somebody else is pretty much doing the same exact struggle that you may have been through maybe at a different point And it's maybe looks different but there's a lot of similarities in terms of like what you know uh, he came
2: off as like super condescending exactly
1: exactly but i mean there's like also his i was gonna say there's a history of being like a white man coming to north america when there was no such people in this continent like 600 700 years ago Mm -hmm. and now you're demanding that people are speaking in a certain language that is adopted and brought from a different culture versus People who actually have roots on this continent and mm-hmm. speaking their own, you know, languages and things like that. Like, how, like, people who are like Native American should say, this isn't your language. We should, you should be speaking, you know, Irawak or you should be speaking, mm-hmm. you know, um, whatever Native American language that is. And the other thing is, too, is like, um, these people didn't choose to speak Spanish either too. There's like other communities like in all Latin America and they have their own individual languages too. So Spanish was brought from like from the freaking, you know, conquistadors in Spain. So they they imposed their will on these people too. So like you know, you there's like you could keep going and unraveling yeah. like the whole fucking history of all that. Like but it's just it's it's nasty because it's just uh one it's just not nice and then two it's it's it just like
2: exposes you to how racist some people are yeah
1: it's exactly and it's just it's like bigoted for sure and the other thing it's we, Do you
2: think that like people have been more openly racist because of trump being president because he's just
1: a little bit i will say yeah people have felt emboldened to a certain extent because uh um definitely feel like it's more acceptable to do certain things yeah or the um people aren't as hesitant to kind of just let it off like that because they're feeling comfortable and so it's kind of been as a result of like the politics being more divisive Mm -hmm. so if um like everything's kind of you know peachy keen in the middle no one really has any issues and the people on the outsides they kind of like uh, are a little bit ostracized on either end on either end that they get ostracized for being like, you know, that's kooky, that's wacky, why would you think that way. And so what's kind of happened is like as the the uh political views has kind of been moving farther and farther to the edges, those kind of wacky and kooky people are now feeling a little bit more included. And so maybe those people can uh ex- are feeling more emboldened to express themselves. Mm-hmm. And so now the people in the middle who are kind of ha- might have a, you know, uh, they might be over here on a certain issue and they might be over there on another issue. Most people, I want to say, are, are in that kind of middle. Now they're getting drowned out and their voices and getting, kind of getting heard. And now you got these people who are like super, uh, super conservative, racist, like bigoted, like homophobic mm-hmm. and like uh, um, those types. You get those type of people standing up and then you get the really far radical, liberal, mm-hmm. like super progressive and like uh in certain regards they kind of take a lot of liberal ideologies maybe like in, a little too far in terms mm-hmm. of things where they don't think of things as like impractical reasons they think of things like um you know like this is how i think it should be and this is how you know like like some of the, the liberal thought has kind of um uh, made it so like if you're more like if you're somewhere in the middle like you kind of have to almost jump in all the way to kind of be accepted a little bit because okay. because i've kind of felt like there's some people who are like who like maybe 90 percent of the time they'll consider themselves liberal and they might have like five to ten percent they're like maybe somewhere in the middle they feel somewhat like i can't get on board with you because you only want me if i'm 100 percent in mm-hmm. so there's been kind of that so it's kind of like if um you know, if somebody comes up to you and is nice to you, like, as a stranger, you won't have any issues. But if the guy comes up to you with his, like, fist ready to hit you, you might want to hit him back kind of yeah. thing. So they're kind of, it's kind of is like, I think of it as, like, as a math equation or, like, a, as a chemical, like, um, uh, um, like, oh, what do I want to say? Like, uh, force and inertia. So, like, if, like, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction kind of thing. hmm so it has to balance out somehow so if you're gonna go far left then somebody's gonna go far right or if you're gonna go far right then somebody's gonna go far left it there's like something you. counteracting exactly force. so that's where i kind of feel like things have gotten is where it's kind of moving farther and farther to the edges uh-huh. but um I, that's kind of just my opinion and i think we we shouldn't be able to lose sight of the fact that the majority of people are still somewhere in the middle even the people who claim to be on the outside, so like mm-hmm. I feel if you have a conversation with them like we just talk like just, like me and you're doing right now yeah, yeah, you can find you have way more in common with a lot of people than you do a different mm. So I always try to make that as my assumption to kind of rationalize why people act certain ways and things like I'm Like they have their own Perspective and point of view because they live their own life and they have their own life experiences So that's unique to them so I can never fault somebody necessarily for having a certain point of view I could maybe try to enlighten them and teach them why maybe that might not be the best point of view to take. And if they, well, just
2: like take a moment to step in other people's right. shoes. Right.
1: I try to do that. I try to do that as much as I can. Exactly. So then, but what I'm saying though is like if you're able to get them to come around on their beliefs and make them make them change a little bit. There's more power in that than to try to stomp them out and make yeah. them feel bad about it or or to it's like, like it's push like, them back i think
2: it's better to have like a, just an educated discussion right with people who have like different viewpoints rather than just talking down on them or yeah pushing them back
1: because you see it just getting nasty where like in the media people are just going back yeah. and forth they're lobbying shots back and forth against each other and it's like the the people who are in the middle they're like I don't even like I can't associate with any of this stuff you know or it's like it's I can't like I I tune in I like I'll check out at certain times because like the the news media is like it's it's a freaking it's a circus nowadays so it's like you can't even get anything you can't take any substance away from it it's just Mm -hmm. like it's almost like the reality show like it's become it's become its own reality show and I think part of the reason, too, is because the head of CNN actually used to run, I think, MTV and a lot of those, or VH1, one of those. Oh, really? Yeah, so before the election, this yeah. guy got, like, hired, and I think a lot of the tactics and, like, the, the ways that he, he learned in terms of being able to get people's attention and what is the most salacious headlines or what is, like, the, what can get eyeballs on the TV screen, mm-hmm. like, he used that frame of mind and brought it to kind of, like, CNN. And we already know fox news does a lot like is just that's just like their mo in yeah. terms of just always having their own talking points and their own particular ways of presenting things that are like not sometimes can be nonsensical exactly, or like yeah. or like just or can be hurtful to certain people like and they have their own terms that they kind of use that are kind of euphemisms for like different things yeah you know yeah. like uh um trying to think of what Trump example Tom
2: tweeted live tweeting fox and friends
1: yeah it's crazy yeah and then he gets it basically he's he gets like the freaking he's got like a cord back hooked up to the back of his head and he just gets uploaded with all the like the propaganda bullshit that yeah. they <laughs> get like, i kind of like it's like the fucking like the matrix or something getting plugged into it like yeah, yeah. that's what it feels like he's just like just constantly just repeating everything they say exactly. on there yeah it's so funny when they first discovered he was live tweeting fox and friends like a couple years ago yeah like they're like people are like why is he getting all these weird crazy stuff and then there was some reporters that were like watching fox in the morning time and they're like oh that's where he got it from. <laughs> like literally you timed up it'd be that's, like
2: that's his executive time in the morning
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know like vox did a video of it too where, yeah, like, I saw they, that. I where saw they were that. like this is what they put like on their Chiron? This is what Trump tweeted two minutes yeah. ago. Like and uh, then two minutes later, and Fox then... <laughs> and
2: Friends went from like talking about the news; they they, they, they
1: talked t- right to, to him, <laughs> talking directly yeah, exactly. to him. It's like it's
2: like <laughs> Fox and Friends talks about it, Trump live tweets it, and then the media starts talking about it. It's this yeah. con- constant cycle. Yeah,
1: it's exactly, and it just like feeds into itself. So like, it's tough to be paying attention and to, to on this outside and, like know what's going on, but also it's tough to like differentiate like what's bullshit and what what's like actually yeah. important to take your time and like focus on yeah yeah. So it's it's so insane it's so crazy <laughs> like,
0: yeah this exactly.
1: like the fact that there's now a a porn star who's got a lawsuit against a president because she's claiming that he didn't sign the, the f- agreement, f- disclosure agreement the non-disclosure, non-disclosure agreement, agreement that uh and so it's therefore null and void uh regarding their f- alleged affair that they had that? Yeah. like the fact that that's happening and like it's just like we're just taking it like oh oh yeah yeah definitely yeah i, I get it i get it like any other president or any other time in like american history there everybody been would like, be what yeah, like what the fuck Timeout. like yo whoa wait a minute but everybody knows trump's a scumbag and i feel like yeah. that that's part yeah. of what makes him endearing to certain people some people just like that kind of like yeah. personality like you know what i mean
2: <laughs> did you see that? Like, I think they they got his financial disclosure form, and there is proof that he did pay back Michael Cohen uh, about yeah, hundred and thirty yeah. grand, oh, even for, though he denied mm. paying. Of course, he Or he, he wasn't did. aware of that transaction. Yeah,
1: yeah. Cohen is like one of his shysty like henchmen, pretty much henchmen his lawyers that so like yeah, pretty much what he does. Like, I don't know if you know Trump's like what he did, like in terms of, like, lawsuits and litigations that he did before he became president, but he had, like...
2: A, I know he owned, like, a bunch of taxi medallions.
1: Well, no, what I was just going to say is that, like, he um, he had, like, thousands of lawsuits against people who have, like, either, like, said something wrong or, like, threatened to do certain things against him, and he doesn't yeah, intend to... Yeah, I know he's, to, like,
2: super loyal to Trump.
1: Well, not, not going to talk about Cohen. I'm talking about Trump himself, though. Oh. It's, like, Trump, like... Like, let's say, for instance, Trump has like a deal with like a a contractor to build like um, apartments, right? So you have a deal with him or let's say he's building a new Trump Tower and this company does interior decoration, right? And it's a smaller business. So like they employ him, they do all the work and they send him the bill. He maybe doesn't pay the bill or he pays like pennies of the bill. Mm -hmm. And so the people are like, what the fuck? I need my money. So I'm going to take you to court. So what he will do sometimes is he'll drag that court case along or he'll countersue you up the ass and like ask all that money and so what happens is like these smaller businesses they don't have like the funds available to like pay for the legal fees that trump does so he'll just bleed them out in court and eventually the businesses go under and so like that's happened multiple multiple times in a lot of his constructions that he's done and so like that's one of the ways that he's been he's been able to kind of like you know build build, build his businesses and stuff like that so yeah there's that history um like, <laughs> I know way too much about this fucker that, like, it just pisses me off. But, like, it's just like. Yeah, right for like, yourself,
0: though.
1: <laughs> like, uh, for people to, like, talk about certain things, I feel like if I want to in- add my opinion, I got to, like, know what I'm talking about. So, like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, like, like, this last couple years, I know way too much about Trump's past families and stuff. Yeah, more yeah. so than I ever needed to know, like, in my life. But there's a reason, and there's, like, an origin story in terms of what. A guy's like mind frame and mindset might be so, in my opinion, I wanted to know what that shit is. So, like, you put these different things together and you're like, Oh, this guy's just like a, a scumbag from like the get go, pretty much. Yeah. So, that's, that's kind of what it is. It's just crazy. Everything I've heard about the guy with those business dealings is just super, sh- super, super shady, shady yeah. super shady yeah. with stuff like that. And what he would do too is like celebrities and other people would like talk bad about him. Like, the, uh, for instance, uh, back in the 90s, he had a Miss Universe model who won. And then afterwards, she, because I guess during the competition, she was, like, uh, controlling her, suppressing her appetite and stuff like that to maintain her figure. And so, like, after she won, she kind of, like, let herself go a little bit more. She didn't look, like, you know, crazy, overweight or anything like that. But she obviously had put some pounds on. Mm-hmm. And he, like, der- der- you know, drag drug her through the media, talking crap about her all the time. And, like... Basically threatened a lawsuit against her to like um, get her money, her earnings back, because she was saying that like he was saying that she had to go on like a press run for the whole next year mm-hmm. as being like the, the the winner from that year, and he was saying that he was losing business because she didn't seem as attractive as she was when she won the thing. God, so like
0: what a fucking dick.
1: exactly, it's like damn. Like even if you don't like the fact that she put on weight, like that's addictive like, as fuck. To you? Yeah, exactly. And so it's like it's crazy. He's also like had lawsuits against people like Rosie O'Donnell who'd like have gone against her yeah. against him and uh you know people who have like publicly like said shit. Like he will like go and like get his goon lawyers and like you know file lawsuit, file lawsuit. I was watching an episode of um last week tonight, uh John Oliver mm-hmm. and he did a whole episode on like all the litigation and stuff like that. He broke it all down. This is why I like, know a lot of it. So he was saying that there's more... Was this
2: a recent episode?
1: This is one for like like a year or two years ago, okay. so it's from a while ago. Um, it's back when I had HBO Go, so I was watching it. Um, but.
2: Uh, <laughs> you need to get it again. Westworld I, I is going on.
1: I know. I, I still haven't started Westworld. I need to watch Barry. I hear is really you know, good too. You know,
2: their HBO is coming out with Fahrenheit, a Fahrenheit four fifty one movie. I, I saw that
1: like it. Michael B. Jordan's on yeah, it Yeah, I saw. I it's saw.
2: It's coming out today.
1: I saw the um trailer. The, like a little bit of a trailer of it. It, so looks pre- it looks I pretty. It looks pretty
2: good. I've never read the book. Have you ever read the? Book? I
1: never read that book either, but I, I heard it was really good. It was one of those books like in high school where it was like, I think in the rotation for like being. Yeah, like, me too. But we didn't read it necessarily. It's like,
2: um, I think for me it was like you had a list of books to read, and right. then you could pick one of them.
1: But. Yeah, I can't because they would they would switch it up every so often. And I remember some some people in my did read that, but my class didn't. Or for well, I can't remember mm-hmm. specifics what it was, but yeah. Um, Sorry, what were you we talking
2: about
1: again? Oh yeah, so like the Trump litigations and stuff, like yeah. all the lawsuits. So he was saying that there's he had more lawsuits like filed in court than there ever were episodes of all of the lawyer based dramas that like ever were on tv like Judge like, judy yeah yeah no not like oh yeah yeah, yeah. so it was like all of those he, he went through all of them and added them all up so there's 10 seasons of this one there's 15 seasons of that one and, and they still don't add up to the amount of times that oh. this dude has been in court over like little petty shit like <laughs> like he, he's that type of dude he's that type of vindictive guy who just like always wants to be right and wants to prove people wrong and so it's almost, I don't know if you saw also like the, um, the, what is it? This, the, um, the correspondence dinner that they do. The White House Correspondence Dinner? Uh, White House Standard? Correspondence Dinner? very
2: recently. Not the, oh. not
1: the recent one, but there was one years ago where Trump was in attendance. And, uh, Chris Myers, the guy who's like on the late show, um, who's mm. it? Oh, is it Chris Myers? Is, is it, or what's his name? Um, he does the, the show after Jimmy, not Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, uh, on NBC, like the late late show or something like that he's like he used to be on uh um i think saturday night live he used to do the weekend updates uh for them um chris Wrong. oh no, no. Hold, on, hold on hold on i gotta look it up now uh trump white house correspondence dinner 2011 here we go this is the one um this is this is the video. Seth Myers, Seth Myers. That's oh, it. Was. Yeah. yeah. Seth Myers. Yeah. He roasted him so hard in like the in like uh um during that that one because he was doing like the dinner and he was like talking so much so crap he, to So him. Seth
2: Myers was the guest?
1: He was the guest and trump was knew- in attendance and he was just like he went in on I him to watch i'll show you after this you remind me remind me for sure it's hilarious he just went in on him because at the time he was he was one of the main figures that was calling obama not from america and like mm-hmm. the whole birther claims a lot of that came from trump itself because he was talking shit on twitter um and he was talking a lot of crap about obama and everything like that at the time so it was it's almost as if Seth Meyers might have pushed Trump to be like, you know what? All right, screw you, then, motherfucker. I am gonna be president. Like, and I am gonna take over the shit. So, like, <laughs> there's a, there's like a timeline in a history of yeah. like shit that has happened to him to kind of maybe push him into like wanting to do all this crap that he's doing now. But
2: I mean, it still just baffles me that he's our president. Yeah, you know, like and someone it, as corrupt and right, terrible person as he is, and it, it would make
1: sense for him to like want to reach out to those schysti people who might be able to help him get into power because that's what he's done before mm-hmm. like i said he's taken that like mob mob money and helped build his casinos in atlantic city and like all that other stuff and it's it's crazy to me that, to think also too that trump can run a business and actually go bankrupt owning a casino like a casino fucking prints money almost like people have gambling addiction problems and they're like we'll give you the money like you gotta like really fuck it up to like not be able to make that business make money right like it's almost like if you own a liquor store in certain areas it's like yeah that's always gonna be making money because people (laughs) are always gonna be wanting to drink and alcohol like you know what i mean like certain things like that you're in california now if you own a uh, uh, dispensary shop. You're probably gonna be ma- like be able to like get business like pretty consistent because a lot of people like smoke weed here yeah. <laughs> in California. Exactly. You know, it's like certain stuff like that. If you live near like uh, the beach community and you're like a convenience store, you better sell sunscreen. Like you know, mm. it's like shit. Like it's like if you're selling sunscreen, of course you're gonna be making money doing that. So mm. it's like it's
2: like how did how how do you fuck it up this bad? Yeah, way?
1: exactly. And like trump university you can talk about that oh. like how that screwed over thousands of people who thought they were going to get like a legit education and then they didn't and then there's like they They're settled fucked over. they settled was it the lawsuit for
2: profit university
1: i can't remember but it was it was a basically sham yeah yeah uh, there's like a bunch of things so like it's it's crazy when people think of like oh he's a billionaire and all this stuff he can claim a certain amount of money that he has but I don't necessarily believe. I don't think he does like a good actually have that. True, and he's also like declared bankruptcy on like a lot of things, and he's and he's used a lot of like financial loopholes to like get himself in certain places. It's crazy. So, what did you
2: think of Michelle Wolf's? Performance at the White House Correspondents' Center. I know it's like a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah. old or so, but I, I, I loved it. I sat down <laughs> I and watched the hilarious. whole
1: thing. I sat down and watched the whole thing. I mean, that's like you the... Saw the
2: whole thing. I just saw her 18-minute.
1: Oh, that's what I meant. Like her, her oh, whole, yeah. her whole yeah. speech. Yeah, I didn't watch the whole Correspondents' Dinner. Like, screw that.
2: I'm just like, 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 yes, Michelle, get them. Like, they're finally all these. <laughs> conservatives are finally being called out on like uh, Kellyanne Conway Sarah Huckabee Sanders she didn't like,
1: even like roast them as hard as she could she just kind of like just acknowledged like some funny things here and there like she re- if she really wanted to she could she could have probably done like 20 minutes on just Sarah Huckabee Sanders like, or, like her she's a comedian yeah. like that's what they do like, yeah. that's, a, that's what you hire them to do like that's and that's like the history of the correspondence dinner is it's always been like a jovial type of like haha like laughing type thing yeah. so the fact that all these like Republicans are getting all butthurt about it and stuff like that makes me just like, like
2: like, get come over on, exactly, come on. You're, exactly. You're getting called down on for your bullshit.
1: Exactly, because like, um, yeah, I mean, at the same time too, it's the um, is they got like you got to have like some thicker skin than like certain things. You got to understand that she's like needling you on purpose because that's yeah. what she's asked to do. That's like her her job. Like, yeah, right. Like, if, you can't be upset that your freaking sink is unclogged when you hire a plumber to come to your freaking house, right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> like. You got to know what you're getting she yourself into. And like they they had no like ability. You could tell these people are unfunny and they're just like not cool to hang out with. Like they
2: couldn't take a <laughs> single joke. <laughs> they couldn't take nothing. They were giving daggers on her, her. They couldn't take nothing. Staring daggers.
1: They couldn't take nothing. That's like the easiest way to diffuse the situation is to laugh at yourself. And these people don't have that ability because they take they, they got like a stick up their butt Oh the Yeah, because they're <laughs> just like not self-aware. <laughs> yeah, or they're too self-aware.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like. It's crazy. It was, I was—I thought it was pretty funny, though. Yeah, like, it
2: was. Like I loved her jokes. They were just so artfully crafted. There,
1: there's been some good ones too recently. I don't know if you saw some of the past ones that have happened. Mm-hmm. There was, um, um, what's his name, um, Hasan Minhaj, who is like a part of the—he's a comedian also. Shout out, to, shout out to NorCal B- Gang Gang. He's from, uh, <laughs> he's from Sacramento or like Davis. He's from like up there. Uh, he's this like an Indian guy. And he's a um, comedian who is a part of The Daily Show with uh, Trevor Noah. Mm-hmm. And he did a hilarious one last year talking about like, uh, it's like, oh, you guys couldn't get any comedians to go do it. So you guys always got to call in the immigrant now and stuff like that. <laughs> and so he did like, he, he was, it was pretty fun. He did it last year his was really funny too and it didn't get as much like press and hype and all that stuff like that he was
2: he was the guest at the last year's white house correspondent yeah yeah
1: oh, it was really okay. funny and then also like when obama was in office he had some good ones too he had um um i don't know if you've seen like key and peel like the comedy sketch mm-hmm. like show he had uh um keegan michael key do his like uh luther the obama angry, angrier translator guy i don't know if you've seen like yeah, that one yeah i've
2: seen yeah i've seen like clips of it
1: he did that thing in person live with obama right there next to him like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like that one was really funny that was really good um he's had like i think john stewart do it i believe uh Col- stephen colbert did it one year as like Colbert, like the character from like the Colbert Report. I don't know if you remember watching yeah, that. Yeah. Like how he he was basically doing like a caricaturized version of like right wing media personalities, but like making Dude, it funny. Do, you know, so, I like, think he
2: still he still does it like Col- Colbert. You know, Infowars. Yeah. He
1: does. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so so he he's kind Yeah. So you you know what like actual Infowars and Alex Jones are yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so yeah. so that that's kind of his like new newer version of doing it. Back then, he was so good at doing it, people didn't know if he was legit or not. Like, <laughs> I remember we did like reports and papers in college about like, damn, this dude is like really doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, we were like dissecting the 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 way he like interacted with the his audience and like the way. Uh, he... Have you seen like, you know, like
2: his, his YouTube videos, um, Colbert's YouTube videos of like Tuck Buckford, which is basically a yeah, parody. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's hilarious.
1: I've seen some of those ones. He's, he's had <laughs> he some does- good. <laughs> he has some good ones. Yeah. It, Alex Jones is so out there. I, mean, he's, I know. He's so freaking out there. Oh, it's like my goodness.
2: I, I can't believe there are people who actually believe what Alex Jones does. <sighs> he's just he just he just is
1: this he just like is one of those people that like re- will see something and then will just run with it and then just yeah. like doesn't take any time to like actually <laughs> like
2: <laughs> Find, back up his sort, back up what he yeah, says yeah there's like any
1: validity to what he's yeah. saying or anything yeah. like that it's it could get crazy he what's so crazy is like he covers so much he talks about so much is that i think there actually might be some merit in some of the things he says but there he says so many other kooky shit that you can't even like it's you can't it's
2: like can hard you, to put you credence and all this <laughs> yeah <like, laughs>
1: what's real and what's bullshit yeah <laughs> i saw him actually on this Hilarious! Uh, he did a podcast with Joe Rogan like uh, a couple of years or like last year, or like a year and a half ago. And I remember when it happened. It was because uh, he Rogan actually has a relationship with with Alex Jones as of like you know years ago because mm-hmm. he used to do like local radio. Um, uh, Alex Jones did, and so he would be on as a guest, as like a comedian, and so like they know each other and they're kind of like you know like you know friendly with each other. So he brought him on the show, and he was just like going. It was like three hours of him just going off, and they they got him a little drunk, and he was drinking the like whiskey, and he, they were just, like smoking some weed, and they could, like let him smoke a little bit too, and he just went off and was going crazy. But uh, was there was like certain parts in that thing where I'm like, oh wait a minute, time out. He actually did say something. That I agree. Like, wait, 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 wait. Am I agreeing with Alex Jones right <laughs> now? Like, wait, wait, what's going on here? Like, what's happening? But then like he would just like. Would take two seconds later he goes off on some other tangents like oh, goddamn chemtrails are coming or like whatever the fuck is happening and like <laughs> And then I'm like, Oh, okay, okay, this is entertainment again. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like you just gotta differentiate that stuff. But uh, Yeah. Oh speaking of which, I know we're talking about like podcasts and stuff we were watching recently. Mm. I saw another one with Joe Rogan where he's on the, the, this guy named Tim Kennedy, who is this ex MMA fighter, but he's also like um you know super heavy part of the military he like he quit doing mma partially so like he could like continue to like be an active like military member and stuff like that so he's like one of these super ultra patriot guys mm-hmm. um but he's got this show that he's doing that's really interesting called uh like hunting hitler or chasing hitler or something like that where he gets like he, it's like members of the different special forces like that he knows that are helping him Go to South America to find, like, the to see if the there's validity in the the idea that Hitler escaped Germany and made it to South America and lived somewhere, mm-hmm. and like, because uh, if if you don't know, there's like, a lot of like, pockets of communities where there's like, descendants of ex Nazis and fa- like fascist regime pe- yeah. people who are like part of the fascist regimes who came to like South America and started their own like insular communities, like where only German is spoken and stuff like that. And uh, they had lived and like survived, and they passed down like the knowledge, like, everything, to their kids and to their kids. And so now there's like these like little towns and pockets, like in like Chile, Argentina, or like Uruguay, and, and where it's like these are like the descendants of like the Nazis and stuff like that. And like yeah, like legitimately, like he was saying, like I've seen his show a couple times. Um, which was kind of interesting because I turned on the TV. And I was like, this dude is like a professional fighter. Like, really? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Like I thought I saw this dude like fighting somebody yeah. a couple months ago. <laughs> and I was like, because I had like, seen this guy before. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's Tim Kennedy. He was like an army ranger or something like that, too. He's like, uh, he's got a crazy, crazy background. Here's the guy. Like, um, uh, yeah, da-da-da-da-da. let's see. He's yeah, he was uh, yeah, he was part of the US Army. He was an army ranger mm-hmm. and so he had like uh, um, But he, he's had some controversy here. Yeah, hunting Hitler. That's the show hunting Hitler So I've seen like an episode of it and like he's talked he's able he's been able to like be like um, um, call? Like get into these communities and talk to them and they were able to show him like old medals like that the Nazi like German Nazi Germans Gave to people like for valor basically like their their version of the Medal of Honors And these are the like, people who are like ex-nazis They like were proud and were showing him like all this stuff and so like there's a legit There's there's some credence to the idea of like, you know That's could have been a possibility because mm-hmm. what was happening in Germany was like super crazy like right up against it like in Berlin they were also saying too is that um, the Russians because it was the Russians who who took over the the city of Berlin um, before the allies could get get to it. Um, so the Russians had like Apparently claimed that they had Hitler's body, right? They had a skull that had like uh, Bullet holes through it, right? And so they're they're claiming that it was, you know His skeleton and like and all that well I think they actually did some testing like on the skeleton and they found out that um, I think it was like some Dutch scientist. They went to Moscow and they or I can't remember wherever they held it in Russia. Mm -hmm. They took a fragment and they did some DNA testing and they found out that it was actually like a 36 year old woman's skull. So it wasn't Hitler's skull. So they were like, hmm, like why would this, like, it doesn't make sense. So technically they don't have Hitler's skull. So now we technically don't know. Like there's no eyewitness account of like his body was here and he was shot this, you know, or like this explosion and we found the body in the rubble or anything like that. So it could have been some like credence to like actually that happening we know for sure there's descendants of nazis like how, in, yeah but then it's in like south in, america the like, question,
2: like how did those descendants get there you
1: know? yeah exactly so a lot of them slipped out of europe and found their way o- over there and oh, okay. yeah they like uh they had it's crazy there's like they bought these properties in, like, South America. There, they're getting these beautiful, like, parts, and, like, beautiful, like, ranges and stuff like that. And, like, they only speak German there. And they were saying that there's, there was... There was I
2: think p- it they don't hold his ideologies, right?
1: They're- well, no, no. no this, is, this is where, like, things get kind of, like, scary is that there... He was talking about this one place called uh, Colonia Dignidad, um, which used to be... It's, like, uh, um, a place in Chile... I watched this particular episode, so I remember. But he talked about it in depth in like the at the episode, and he was saying that in Colonial Dignidad, there was this uh, um, ex uh, members of the SS armed forces who were like actual uh, people who like tortured and murdered a lot of like the Jews and stuff like that when they were there. And so when they left Germany, they went to Chile. What they would do is they had like uh, they had like a hospital that they set up. But they were still doing and running, they eventually were starting to do and run a lot of the same experiments on like the, the local population, the Chileans that were there, like the, the indigenous folk. So they, were, they had like a lot of notes and a lot of records and logs of everything that like, they did. Like they only they tortured and like, you know, brutally, you know, uh, did horrible things to these people um, for decades up until the 90s. They were saying that they were still doing this, and it's like literally the descendant of the people who like would like send the Jews to the gas chamber and stuff like that. And so, a lot of that pride and like the beliefs and stuff like that did unfortunately get passed down to like some of the generations, which is one of the reasons why they hold. Like they were saying that they had like these the, the medals from like the Nazi army. They said that they would have like white gloves on and that they would present it and they wouldn't they wouldn't even let anybody see it and touch it. Not even this guy Tim because they thought of him as dirty, not being. Ethnically clean and all this stuff like that because it's still the same mentality it's still the same yeah, idea yeah. and they really um, Well, was crazy. what was he saying is like what they did is when they came to, to South America What was happening on at the same at the time was the US was immediately as soon as they took out like the Nazi forces They began to fight the Cold War anti communism, right? So that became eventually the next enemy And so in South America, there was a lot of uh, uprisings, communist uprisings and uh, populist movements that happened. And so there was a lot of left-wing governments that were trying to come into play. US government was like, no, they were fighting it everywhere, right? They fought it in Korea, they fought it in Vietnam. um, And they did it in Latin America a lot of times and people don't realize this. And so there was like a lot of uh, dictators that were put into place and were aided by like US like military forces. Um, that became oppressive on the people uh, to like, you know, push back against a lot of these like left-wing, uh, you know, military people that are happening, and this happened in Chile too. And I want to say, um, oh man, I gotta look this up. It's like Chilean dictator. Uh, I think it was like, yeah, Pinochet. Pinochet was the guy in Chile. And so what they would do is they would take and they would torture a lot of like their rivals and their victims, right? Well, they already have these German people who are already doing this, so they became buddy buddies with them and said, "Hey, we need you. Like, we'll like we'll be. We need you to like do the dirty work for us uh, against our enemies, and we want you to get all the information that you can out of them, uh, so that we can crush our enemies, pretty much. And so what they would do is they would they would torture these people. They would find out all this information, and then they would pass the information along to the government, right?" and so like the right-wing government that uh, US Money helped Fund uh, just because they're anti-communist. So what would happen is like because they had this knowledge and information that they gained a lot and like the ability to get this information They gained a lot of like traction and respect actually within the community like the Chilean community So now like they're kind of like these people who live in colonial dignidad and all that stuff they're kind of protected by the, the connections that they've had over generations and stuff like that so um but there's he was saying that, like recently people have like sued against like them because they've been tortured and like they survived and like you know did a whole bunch of stuff and it's just like insane like that's like a whole side of history that people don't even really talk yeah, about and it's like I find I found that shit so fascinating that was one of the things I wanted to bring up but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it just it just goes you fall down that rabbit hole and mm-hmm. how that all happens and it's crazy but it's like uh it's very true i was talking on another podcast with my friend miguel and he's peruvian right and he's actually been to like certain places in latin america he was explaining it to me how in like argentina and uruguay and all these places uh a lot of times it feels like you're in a like european village and stuff like that like just the architecture the culture a lot of the people there too are descendants of like uh people from like European countries mm-hmm. so you got to think of like what happened in World War II where you had all like the, the, the fascist regimes you had Italy with Mussolini you had Spain had Franco and you also had uh, you know uh, Hitler with Germany so what happens when those places get taken over um, oh I'm not gonna sit around and like be uh, you know have my enemy overtake me I'm gonna like escape and go somewhere else mm-hmm. A lot of those people went to South America and so there's a lot of history behind that. So if you see somebody who's, like, from South America who might be um, lighter skinned, they might have a more conservative, like, mindset in terms yeah, of how they could like, yeah. view, view of, the, of the world. Like, for instance, I, I put two and two together one time. when Because I, I have a friend of mine uh, who uh, I had in college. He also did, like, sports broadcasting with me. But uh, he was Latino also. But he was Latino, but, like, through Italian descent. Because his name was like Giorgino mm-hmm. as his last name, and so he was uh, uh, this this dude who was like a little bit more conservative, I would say mm-hmm. for sure, and like uh, it's like touched into like some of the that like kind of train of thought, and and I started like to wondering like hmm like how did he come to this like viewpoint and stuff? Because his family's from he's really proud of like Uruguay, but his uh, his like family's also from Italian descent, so yeah. he's like proud that way. So I was like kind of trying to put two and two together, like what would be a logical like route of how his family got here, and I'm thinking I'm like. Hmm. Okay. Uh,
2: they tried just to, to escape some.
1: Fascist. So, so they were, so they were probably like, maybe not in bed, but like you know, uh, pro Mussolini or pro fascist regime. They probably left after that. They got toppled because they didn't want to feel the backlash of it. They probably went to South America, lived there for a while, simulated themselves, and then probably were still pretty well off because let's face it people who tend to be more right-wing tend to be more well-off and in, in certain certain aspects and things like that so because being able to immigrate from like those countries in latin america to the u.s it's very expensive and like a lot of the poor people like they don't necessarily have the opportunity so then it like he moves to here to the u.s probably this is what i'm just assuming He'd probably moved here to the u.s because he was like living in la canada flint ridge area or something like that so like um Probably, you know, and then now he's got like the kind of that kind of conservative mindset and it probably just it's just generational. It probably came across that yeah, way. Yeah. So I kind of put two and two together. I'm like, well, because I was thinking one day, like in college, I was like, why does he think this way? And then I was like, so he's from a year wine, but he's Italian. But then I was like, oh, why would they move? Oh, that.
0: Oh, so I was like, <laughs> like, it,
1: like it all made sense. It all clicked to me one day. And I was just like.
2: Oh, shit. Like,
1: knowing history actually works. Did you ever ask him about it? I never asked him about, like, no, that might be a little too abrasive to bring that (laughs) Hey, man, are you guys, like, former fascists? Like, (laughs) like, is your family ex-fascist? Are you descendants of fascists? Like, no, I'm not going (laughs) to ask about that. But it's just, like, funny understanding the reasons why people move and stuff like that. Like, for instance, if you talk to, like, um, someone who left Cuba and immigrated to the U.S., they're going to be very conservative because Cuba is a like um, uh, what it called? It was a left-wing uh, government that did like communism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and employed that on the island. So the people who are anti-communism are going to be more pro-pro um, business and stuff like that. So they're going to be conservative. So if you talk to a Latino who's like Cuban in America, they're probably going to be more conservative than like generally other Latinos. Mm-hmm. For instance, if you talk to a Chilean immigrant they were the ones who were in part of the left-wing government that got stomped out by Pinochet. So like a lot of those people, there was full generations of people being what they call quote-unquote disappeared. Where they just like were taken and brutally murdered and like dumped somewhere and they never found the body. And the family just have never known. There's like no closure or anything like that. There's thousands of people that happened to. So like this was happening, people left. So if you're an immigrant from Chile, you're probably going to be way left-wing. Because Mm -hmm. the government was coming after those type of people, and you wanted to, you know, have, uh, uh, you know, protect your family and your future. So, like, if you talk to a Chilean, he's gonna be more left wing in the U.S. more often than not. If you talk to a Cuban, he might be more right wing. Uh So it's just like weird understanding the reasons why people move and like what type of people move and uh, like it's it's, there's different there's different. There are like a lot of nuances. Yeah, exactly. And like history is like weird. I'm like I try to be such a like kind of like a history buff or like at least know reasons why I took like why
2: people immigrate yeah. and so forth
1: I took like a lot of AP history classes and I was always asking why questions yeah. <laughs> so like, that always like involved just keep going keep diving keep diving I'm yeah like, But it's crazy but yeah that was my tangent <laughs> <laughs> oh man what That's else
2: crazy. what else
1: do we have um, on the docket I know we had a bunch of stuff there's
2: Trump calling, um, he called immigrants, but really he cl- it's supposed to be clarified as gang mem- gang members of MS13 animals. Yeah. So there's that.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean,
2: even even if he meant to call the MS13 gang members um, animals, I don't think that's I don't think that's like the best way to go about it. Like just dehumanizing those people.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah. And Trump doesn't know shit about MS-13, like, Mm -hmm. besides the fact that they look scary as hell and that they are very violent people. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I really don't think he knows jack shit about (laughs) MS-13 and, like, the history of MS-13. I've definitely watched my fair share of, like, History Channel, like, uh, Mm Gangland-style, like, documentary series and stuff like that. And so from what I know about MS-13 is that they started here in L.A.,
2: They did. Yes. Yes.
1: I don't know if you know about this history. Mm -hmm. Is that um, during the 80s, there was a lot of like Salvadorians that came immigrated to the U.S. kind of for like the first first time in like uh, specifically from that area. Because all the like most of the the immigration it was coming from Mexico before that point. So, all the Latino population in California and a lot of parts of the U.S., it was m- mostly Mexican, right? So, there's this new wave of immigrants that come from, like, a different, like, different area. Like, Mexicans consider themselves, like, higher on the totem pole than El Salvadorians and other people. Like, there's kind of, like, a hierarchy within Latin America in terms mm-hmm. of different countries and how they view themselves. And it's kind of the same way, I would say, like, in Asia, too, for mm-hmm. certain, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure in Europe. Um, but, um, anyway, so these people came and part of it was they were escaping like political, um, um, turmoil that was ongoing. Also kind of similar to like what the U S government, like I was saying before happened in like Chile and other places. So like that was happening to a lot of them. Um, and so they left and they went to the U S and they came to a lot of places like Los Angeles. Right. And so eventually there became pockets of communities in LA that were mostly like uh salvadorian and and things like that and it was difficult for them to assimilate because there was a lot of mexican communities that thought down down, down on them and there was um you know different mexican street gangs that have like had some history of like starting up like from like the zutsu era 40s mm. 50s onwards pretty much um and there's like the mexican mafia there's like the 18th street gang there's like a bunch of them here in like l.a that like have come up um since then so what happened is like the uh salvadorians they also because there was gangs that were like targeting them they formed their own gang to help defend themselves and, and then target is that MS-13? Against, MS-13? which became ms13 oh. and so it's an american byproduct of like what the gang relationship was here in, in the u.s yeah so what happened this is what happens is ms13 becomes big and be- they start becoming you know they start f- fighting fire with fire. This is what a lot, a lot of things happens when you escalate things. The reaction is things are going to be escalated against you, right? Yeah. So now you got like the Mexican mafia, like also going against MS13, and then there's they also are fighting over drug territory and drug routes and connections and things like that. And so they uh, they basically start mirroring their Mexican counterparts, right? Mm-hmm. And so. They get violent and they do everything and so they just they're very well adapted and they have adapted to like the street gang culture in Los Angeles, right? What happens is a lot of these MS-13 gang members since they were born technically in El Salvador, right? They uh, when they get arrested the US government has the option to actually extradite them and to deport them to El Salvador. So what ends up happening a lot of times is the US government in the late 80s early 90s They rounded a lot of these uh, Salvadorians up mm-hmm. and uh, They sent them back down to El Salvador and now El Salvador like is not as secure of the country as America is And so what happened is you basically took the MS-13 gang And you basically imported it back to the country of like where these people were originally born so what happens is El Salvador before then had no street gang presence or like it was very petty, very little. So it wasn't like an old like a multinational corporation at that point or like entity. So what it did is it, it strengthened MS-13 now. So you take in these, Salvador and in exactly. El Salvador. So then they become established in El Salvador. And then so what they start doing is they start terrorizing the local communities there. Yeah. And so it gets to the point where they're controlling like the cocaine routes and they're controlling the drug trade. And they're doing kidnappings. They're doing murders. They're they're killing a lot of people. They're threatening folks, like you have to pay me this amount of money this week, or else I'm gonna kill your family because I know you own like all these like five little meat markets in these towns over here. Mm-hmm. What all these you know things like that. There was a lot of uh, assassination attempts. People died. People uh, had like you know death threats on their children, on their family, on their wives. Things like that happen. And so these people they now are under the, the, um, the control of MS-13. So MS-13 almost controls like a large population, large majority, and it's like the predominant gang in the area. So if you're like a teenager growing up, if you're like 12, 13, 14, and they see you, they're gonna wanna recruit you to become a part of their gang. If you say no, then that becomes dangerous on the lives of your siblings, of your family members, of your friends, everything like that. They don't care. They'll if you say no, they'll just go and they'll kill your sister or something like that. Like for you know just for, oh, excuse me, I'm just like spitting over myself. <laughs> but that <Good morning. laughs> was nasty. I'm sorry. No. Oh man, but yeah, they'll get violent. They don't they don't give a damn. They don't have yeah. any concept of like what life means and stuff. Or like a lot of them don't. They, they become ruthless. So then. You got people who want to leave El Salvador because they don't want to live there because like their lives are threatened like if I stay like I'm gonna die and so now those people immigrate to through Mexico where people in Mexico think less of them too so they got to go all the way through that then get to the US Mm -hmm. then try to cross the border then they get here and everyone hates on them because they're immigrants and Mm. why don't you go back home and why don't you do this this and that it's like motherfucker i can't go back home because they're gonna freaking kill my ass back there so we get people who are not as sympathetic to the the actual salvadorians who are not ms13 members and so there are actual ms13 members that are are trying to get into this country but what happens is like people lump all those people together and so um it's almost as if like we've america to a certain extent kind of created the problem and pushed it down south and then now it's kind of still blaming el salvador for their own issues yeah where it's almost like we've had like a big hand played a big part in it that's almost people don't even recognize yeah and have like an understanding yeah. because if they wouldn't have extradited a lot of those like really violent gang members maybe they wouldn't have implemented like the ms13 you know yeah. uh gang principles and maybe they wouldn't have had established themselves in el, el salvador and maybe it would have just been a street gang just here in Los Angeles versus now they're like a multinational huge like uh, parasite of an organization that like is violent and there's some there's some of the most ruthless like gangs mm-hmm. gang members like in the world and they have like the crazy reputation and of course I'm not against I'm not for them at all but it's like you gotta you gotta they're almost how I think of it I kind of use this analogy this way it's like people try to um deal with the symptoms of an issue versus rather
2: than dealing with the like finding the the, the, fixing the problem the root
1: cause exactly the actual source of the issue so i feel like that kind of applies to here where it's like okay well we got ms13 gang members are bad let's just send everybody out and gone be gone with it but you you can't do that because like they're trying to flee
2: from the dangers of exactly i don't know if
1: you heard about it recently there was a caravan that got turned around at the border where there was a lot of uh refugees like from el salvador who left the situations like this what i was explaining to you yeah i think i
2: vaguely heard about
1: that about like a week or two weeks ago and it got like basically turned around at the border and like told them to kick rocks pretty much which america has a history of doing i don't know if you know that uh Anne frank and a lot of other like jewish immigrants Mm -hmm. from europe were on a boat that sailed and touched land in america and they wouldn't let any of the refugees off the boat and they made it turn Iraq around and go back to europe and a lot of the people who were jewish on that boat eventually ended up dying and like because of the concentration camps and everything that happened so it's like yeah that's us <laughs> like we've done that shit. so it's like people don't recognize and this is the stuff they don't tell you in the in the yeah. in history classes and shit like that so it's, crazy. it's the story that does it, it's that's true but doesn't get doesn't get discussed a lot so it's yeah. like it's sad but no like the way that Trump characterized and just lumped everybody together it it seems like um, not intentional but like he's just he's just very flippant about it about what he says he calls like neo-nazis good people and stuff like that yeah. so like we kind of know where his mind kind of lies I feel like and that it, it doesn't it didn't surprise me too much but it's definitely still pissed me off yeah like it, he
2: just makes all these ignorant statements he's always yeah. i
1: don't know yeah, that was my Ms. 13. other tangent It was <laughs> 13 i, was telling, uh, I said we're, i would get to I'm just, uh, i get dark on this shit sometimes i don't know why <laughs> no but it's interesting <laughs> it's like, you know like you have uh, a lot to
2: say and you're very informed about these issues i know i think it's good i think it's because
1: both me and you like we can discuss politics and stuff, yeah, and not just leave those discussions. yeah,
2: like
1: I definitely can't. But yeah, this is glad just, we didn't. This didn't get talked on. I am on like at work. <laughs> 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 I might have some eyeballs on me for sure. Oh,
0: good.
2: <laughs> it's like you know, there's so much news going on, but then it's also a very touchy subject because you don't right. know what other people's opinions are. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. What else? So they.
1: <laughs> oh, hold on. I don't want to interrupt. Well, I, I kind of am, but like, I just got this news update. Hold on a second. I just got Twitter, Google. Excuse me. <clears> hmm. <throat> oh yeah, Melania Trump had some surgery today. Some
2: surgery on her kidney. Trump Jr.
1: met with golf advisor who offered to help win election. Report as of four hours ago. Ooh, yeah. Trump, Donald Jr. is like, it just seems he was pretty brazen of just meeting with everybody, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man.
0: The apple doesn't
1: fall far from the truth. Exactly. Exactly. There's a whole, like, uh, the Russian lawyer, was it, what was her name? Vetel Niskaya or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, there's that whole connection. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. It just keeps going. Like, it's never ending. It's like scandal after scandal.
2: It's like
1: you keep learning of new shit that keeps happening, or like uh, that did happen. It's like, oh, he met with him that was shady? He met with him with a shady too? It's like, this guy's got a questionable pass, also. I mean, with him, it's like just throw them all, up in, <laughs> all in there. and It's like, yeah, cast of misfit toys or whatever. <laughs> it's freaking crazy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I guess keep going. <laughs>
2: yeah. So I know recently they moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv. Yes. And it's just caused yes. a lot of civil. There's been like a ton of protests. I know that, like, on the day that Ivanka and Don Jr. were there yep. announcing the U.S. Embassy. Like, just miles away, there were protests. Palestinians getting murdered. It's just such a yeah big contrast. I don't think they should have done it because now <sighs> there are, like, people getting killed.
1: They're stirring it up. They're almost doing it intentionally to kind of push things. Yeah. They're, like... Uh, it, that's what it kind of feels like. It's just nasty. They know that... It's, it's it's.
2: like they should have been aware that this is this is what was gonna happen,
1: right? Yeah, I have to like you have to preference a lot of things that you say about this because you have to say that there's a difference between what the Israeli government does and there's a difference between what the Jewish folks do and like there's there's not it's not always the same. So if you bash or if you're critical of what an Israeli government does and like Ben NaYu or whatever his name is, yeah, um, if if you're critical of him. That doesn't necessarily mean you hate Jewish people and you're anti-Semitic. I will have to preface that first before I say this because there are a lot of Jewish people that don't also agree with what Israel is doing. Mm -hmm. So with that notion, yes, Israel is being the aggressor. There obviously have been the person who have controlled the Palestinian population and the territory and the people and the resources since pretty much the invention of like the state of Israel and everything like that, and so at the point where they're at now, they're are seen as the oppressor in terms of for against the Palestinian people, correct? Mm-hmm. So, um, Palestinian people are limited in terms of access to uh, building materials for stuff. Even after they get a, ex- you know, bombs are exploded, they have lack of food and water. They have a lack of economic resources outside mm-hmm. of that because Israel controls a lot of this. And so, um, the Palestinian people are oftentimes put in positions where they're desperate, and they don't have anything else to like, kind of like, um, maybe like live for, or they feel like they have no uh, they have no control over their lives and like what they can do. So a lot of them get uh, desperate, and they become, um, like I say, they try to fight fire with fire, and that's where Hamas comes in because Hamas is that like group that is uh, you know very anti-Israel anti-jewish yeah. as well too so there's a lot of uh-huh. like religious sentiment in that too because um, if uh, somebody else from a different religion comes into the, the territory that you live in and they take you over and then they make you like a second-class citizen you're definitely going to have feel some type of way about that type of thing happening right which is kind of how that what's happened to them um so it's like um it comes to the point where they don't have you're, they're not on the same level playing field in terms of battling it out against each other because the Israelis are poor and they don't have access to this stuff, right? Um, so, like, their only way of protesting is almost to, like, self-sacrifice and, like, you know, like, say, hey, I'm willing to die for what Palestine and what I believe in because what you guys are doing is so unjust that people in yeah, the other... They sp-
2: were, like, martyrs yeah, on the day.
1: Exactly. They're, like... The yeah, they're, like, martyrs, so, like... I'm willing to die with this way just so people can understand what the situation is for us living in these conditions in these areas so yeah exactly it's like it's almost like you pushed them to the point where like that's the only thing that they could do and that's that's you know despicable and sad kind of like yeah. um, like it happens in different places and at in human history it's happened like
2: moving the u.s embassy to jerusalem like it kind of makes the u.s seem like they're taking israel's side
1: oh definitely we've always been pro-israel since the invention of like the israeli state since Mm -hmm. since it's been a country since it's been a nation i mean we were the allied forces were the ones who helped establish israel as a country after world war ii happened Mm -hmm. and so it's thought of as a noble cause because these Jewish people who were um, basically massacred and you know genocided against um, by the Nazi regime and everybody, it was like almost a way for them to uh, come back and like bounce back and become stronger than ever and be be very prideful of their you know Jewish heritage and everything like that. And it was a return to their uh, ancestral home mm-hmm. and it's like where these people originated from. Because I will say, the Jews have definitely been, you know, targeted against multiple times over and over and over yeah, in, yeah. in history. And they've been outed out of every almost every single country they've been in. Um, like, I took a Jewish history class when like I was in college, which oh. was really interesting. And this is why I kind of have, like, a bit of appreciation for, like, the Jewish culture and stuff like that. The fact that it's, like, being able to still be relevant and maintain and, like... Is branched off and there's different things here and there but just the fact that it still recognizes its own entity is like you know, hats off to you guys man yeah, like you know exactly. you guys did the thing so but what happened is like the us and all these like france and like the uk we helped bankroll their ability to like establish themselves back then so palestine was the, the nation that was in what's modern day israel right yeah. so they basically went came in took the shit from palestine and then in their mind, they did it for a noble reason, right? So like, we got to help, help our Jewish homies out mm-hmm. right here, right? And so, um, you know, in that mindset, it's like, okay, that's not a bad idea. Like, you know, that there's some valor to that, to wanting to do that. But what ends up happening is now the people who were oppressed now become the people who are oppressing other people. Yeah. So, and then like, if you look at him in history, there's always this constant, like, battle back and forth of like yeah. you know somebody like, taking advantage fire fire. exactly mm-hmm.
2: so it just gets worse
1: right so it's like instead of like trying to like there, there was no definite solution to what the problems are or what the problems you know could how they could have been solved because i don't have the answer to like mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. should have been done differently versus what's done now but like um israeli special forces, they were all military trained by the U.S. We have a lot of financial interest in Israel. There's a lot of um, uh, like weapons and stuff that are made and manufactured in the U.S. that we yeah. like pro- provide to the Israeli military, and there's a lot of you know government contracts that we have with them. So we have a financial interest in Israel actually being prosperous, and so it's no shocker, it's no surprise that not any U.S. senator, or anyone has like stood up and said anything against what the israeli government is doing because they're being very aggressive in terms of pushing out a lot of the palestinians from the west bank mm-hmm. like they're keeping they've been the last few years they've been aggressive in pushing more more territory and they've been making buildings for israelis and they've been tearing down homes from like uh broken down homes from the palestinians and they've been pushing them out and so if you're a palestinian i can understand why you're like enough is enough i can't fucking live like this no yeah. more right like it's degrading, right? <laughs> so, like,
2: there's a, there's a limit, you know. <laughs> it's probably probably well past that.
1: Yeah, it's 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 insane, and it's just sad though that we keep losing lives though. It's because there was like, how many people died like on Wednesday or something I like that know. when it happened? I think it's like,
2: in the thousands. Well, right?
1: Not for like, I think like on that particular day there might have been like sixty or something, something murders or something like that. Uh, let's see so funny that when you like type in certain things certain things come up in google and other things won't yeah. fill out for you uh let's see april 3rd what's today may 19th let's see if i can get this. it probably won't give me anything in the news like recently there we go gaza braces protests 58 people yeah so it was about like 60 people died like and this that was,
2: day yeah and on
1: wednesday um yeah and it's like moving the embassy is not necessary either like, yeah. you don't need to move it from Tel Aviv. And Jerusalem is a city that was controlled partially from Palestine and partially by Israel, too. And even though there's a lot of, like, tension and stuff like that, there's certain cities where it was like, we understand this is us and we understand that's you. So, like, that's fine. But now moving the embassy over, it makes it seem like, yep, this is Israel. This is all of Israel. Yeah. And so it's basically giving a big, another middle finger to the Palestinians. Like, yeah. fuck you guys. We don't give a shit about you guys. So that's kind of what they're saying by like symbolically and it's like it's crazy because everyone's you know yeah
2: that's like the big contrast
1: yeah everyone's happy smiling ribbon cutting you know taking selfies in front but of the new embassy the
2: other side
1: there's like yeah like the
2: dark side to it
1: exactly it's, 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 it's crazy
2: protests.
1: these snipers there's people with sniper rifles who like people who walk up close to the fence to like uh you know yell and shout obscenities and stuff like that people were getting shot
0: and yeah, like murdered like, like
2: like the people who were trying to like Cross cross the I don't know wall or whatever it is. Yeah, like yeah. they know that it's very heavily militarized on Israel's side, but oh yeah, they, they're just trying to show that like this is this is enough, you know? Like
1: it's yeah, and like, I, they understand. Yeah, ex- they understand that they're they have a there's a likelihood of them getting hit. It's very real, but they're they they're they, trying to
2: like make a symbolic effort of like
1: it's almost that. Yeah, it's just like it's crazy. It's crazy. It's. uh... It's insane. And this is uh, this, these sentiments have always been here, though.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, like, back and forth. And it's, like, it's hard to say who's, like, because, um, y- I mean, you can understand, at least for me, I can understand both sides of everything. Because it's, mm-hmm. like, if you're Israel, it's, like, this is the first time ever, like, in thousands of years that we've actually had, like, our own established state that we can protect and control. Mm-hmm. We actually have, like, some, um, you know they can claim some ancestral homelands and all this stuff like that too. But at the same time, it's like the means for actually getting that are like not the best. And, it, you know, it's like, it's tough stuff because there's like faults on like everything, on everybody. Yeah. So it's it's a messy situation and there's no like clear-cut yeah. solution for any of exactly. this stuff. And like Trump coming in just like doesn't know jack shit about any of this. Like, I don't know if you saw last year, they asked him if he... If he what his thoughts were on, like, a one-party solution versus a two-party solution or a two-state solution. It's so like, a one-state solution would be, like, Israel and Palestine being its own nation together. Two-state solution would be Israel and then Palestine existing separately. He just acted such, like, he's such an idiot, didn't know what the hell he was talking about. And he was just like, you know, I, I'm down for either one, really, like, anyone. And, like, Netanyahu was, like, sitting right next to him chuckling, yeah. like, this idiot doesn't know what the <laughs> fuck he's talking about. <laughs> like, like he was, like, chuckling. They saw him on camera. yeah. It's like, yeah. Like, I'm like almost like you want to put his hand in his words. like <laughs> what the hell like you're supposed to say uh, <laughs> um, I think Israel wants like uh, I don't think they want to assimilate with Palestinians but they yeah, want to take their land they want the them. land though for sure so that's why it's like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's crazy I just don't want people dying that's just that's exactly. the sad part yeah
2: I don't think it was the right move to move the U.S. embassy it's
1: like we're poking the-
2: caused so much unrest
1: it's just like poking the bear when you don't need to.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Like it was so unnecessary.
1: These protests probably would have still happened at a probably like on smaller scale, but still, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. it's sad, it's sad, and it's like I wish, I wish nothing but like peace for everyone there on like yeah. both sides, and it take, it takes like larger people and it, and people in positions of power to come to like the realization that like. It's not good, right? It's not. Keeping it up, and it's it's tough for me on the outside to try to prescribe a solution for them. But it's like, you yeah, know, because exactly. I, I have I have no power, like actual physical way for me to change anything out there. So it's like kind of what's the point? At the same time, too, it's you want what's best for like the world as a whole. So you mm-hmm. want you don't want these issues to keep happening, but it's like, in my in my perspective, it's like, if you see like a family member fighting, it's like, you don't want to be, you don't want to throw yourself involved in, that, or not family member, like another, say you're like, you're out like in public and you see a family fighting amongst themselves. You don't, you don't, you don't want them to be fighting, but you but don't, don't want to get involved. You don't want to get involved. Exactly. Because you don't know.
2: You don't know what's going exactly. on. Exactly.
1: So I, I, that's how I kind of feel about talking about certain mm-hmm. issues like this, but, but yeah, you're definitely right. It's like, I, I just don't want them to be fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> type of exactly. Thing, so. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it's it's weird. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, no, definitely, it is weird.
1: Weird times we live yeah. in.
2: Can we can we talk about childish Gambinos? This is America. i We can. Let's
0: go for it. I'm like Let's so obsessed
2: with that yeah. song. I've had it on repeat on Spotify, <laughs> like during my commute. Like if I'm not listening to a podcast. I'll have This is America. I just... I love the music video. I love all the symbolism going on.
1: Yeah, he packed that pretty heavy.
2: Yeah, like, in the beginning... Even in the beginning, like, when, um... When he shot the guy with, like, the bat... The Mm -hmm. cloth over his head. And then he was doing, like... he was, like, portraying Jim Crow at the time. Like, a, a Jim Crow, like, when he... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of,
1: like, old drawings or, like, yeah. racial drawings of, like, black folk and stuff like that. And, and yeah, then he, yeah. him, I saw that there was, yeah. like, a, They put him side to
0: side. Yeah. And then,
2: like, um, the kids dancing in the background with him. But really, there's, like, all of the commotion going on in the background. And then when yeah. he had to... When he shot, like, the ch- The church? church yeah, singers, it's like,
1: the choir members. Yeah, yeah. it's,
2: like... Um, a sim- like a sy- symbolic or like an allusion uh-huh. to um, the Charleston killings right yeah. in South Carolina yeah exactly like yeah. Dylan
1: Roof and all that yeah.
2: yeah he just I don't know I just think he's so talented to like come up with all of these things and yeah. like yeah.
1: there's a there's a, lot, there's of a lot
2: of symbolism you have to definitely watch it more than once in the song it's just uh-huh. amazing yeah, I,
1: saw, I saw it a bunch of times too Just to yeah. like, like take it all in Because it's like There's a lot going a, on There is a lot going there's
2: on There's like
1: um, The fact that like The pants that he was wearing Is like very reminiscent They're saying From like the Confederate soldiers yeah. Like pants And like the, the What the outfit That they used to wear Obviously he's just like Wearing shirtless And he's just got like A chain on There's like metaphors You can do with the chain About how he's and, like, like He's like tied to Commercial success But also uh-huh. to like, uh, like Remnants of like The slave trade And everything like that With Black America And like their feelings Behind that
2: and even um, the way, um, like, after he shot the guy in the beginning of the video, like, he put, like, he was, he had the gun in, like, a red cloth. It yeah, shows, yeah. like, how, like, um, conservative America <laughs> yeah, cares more way, about yeah. guns than they do about lives. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, the guns handled all, like, nice and clean, and, like, they're just yeah. taken away real quick. And then it's, like, he uh, uh, shoots them up, like, the choir with the AK, like you were saying before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the symbolism with that. And then uh, just the whole... Um, and there's a lot of stuff. When he was, like, walking on the old cars from the 80s, mm. it's almost like uh, he's talking about how, like, the American dream and the American economy, like, was very uh, up and booming and, like, has been flourishing. But has since recently, oh. like, the manufacturing economy has, like, decreased, like, so much in the last 20, 30 years that it's, like, the fall of America, like, what America, like, eco- economically, like, represents. and yeah. And how he's, like, stepping on the cars. And, like, you see kind of that. And it's almost as if the whole chaos of what's happening in the video is like a um a, an analogy to like what america's happening like what's going on in the u.s and so how like the cars are like they look kind of like run down and crappy mm-hmm. and everything like the ones he was stepping on and how like he was saying they're saying that like the the happy-go-lucky nature of him dancing with the with the kids and everything like that
2: distraction to all of the exactly like everything else going around yeah.
1: which is like a metaphor to like how the black community how like feels yeah, feels exactly. about themselves about how like they're they're asked to be entertainers and to but at the same time they're like, also
2: going through all of these injustices yeah, yeah, yeah. so like going so, you, on.
1: so you can't separate the two and they're always yeah. have to. they're always kind of like that you have to take them together because that's the person's experiences in this country whereas like from People in corporate white America, they want to distinguish, to differentiate those things. Yeah. Like, go out there and play football, but you can't, like, think about what the, the flag represents. Yeah, Or yeah. go out there and sing and, like, you know, sell a b- bunch of records, but, um, you know, like, don't worry about, like, the fact that, like, a bunch of your homies got shot up in the hood because, um, you know, the streets are flooded with drugs that the, um, uh, in certain communities, and they are now over-policed and are now uh gang territories and then there's a rival gang shooting that happens and now your family members are getting killed but don't think about that stuff we want you upstage singing and like we want you like on broadway plays or we want you on your tv telling us stories and stuff like so i think childish gambito kind of encapsulated like that he whole does. thing like he captured it <laughs> like, perfectly it's
2: like wow just
1: like the, uh, the end scene too
2: the fact what was the end scene? Oh yeah, he and was, was like, running away. Running away this from, is like, from
1: cops, right? Was it from cops? I don't know if it was from cops in particular, but it was just like almost as if he's kind of trying to escape the past of like what he's yeah. like, uh, like being a black man in America and all this stuff. And I think he like he does it just well enough where it's not overly barreling over the top of your head and everything, but it's like it's it like g- you g- can gives you capture
2: you the obvious symbol, right? Though.
1: And he gives yeah. you enough to actually just keep pondering and thinking about it too. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, other people who, like, might not consider all these concepts and things that are, like, a day-to-day basis, maybe they're, like, maybe they'll actually think about it for once and yeah. stuff like that. So, he does a good job of, like,
2: and, like the fact presenting that, it that way. Yeah, the yeah. fact that he was able to portray all of this within the span of, like, however long the song is. It's right. Like, he said so much. There, yeah. I mean, I think it's great. Yeah. I know, I like it the
1: song is blowing up i think it is <laughs> oh it is for sure for yeah. sure um it made me give me a like real good appreciation of like like just him as an artist like yeah. in general because i like seen like i'm like i was kind of turned off in terms of him as a person in particular when he first came out have I, you ever
2: seen community
1: i never really watched community i heard he was really funny on it yeah. so I, I probably gave him more credence as like I think it's because he was doing multiple things at the same time. I was just kind of like, like whatever, man. Like, this guy's trying to do maybe too much or whatever. Or, like, if he has eggs in, like, too many baskets, are you really that great of a rapper or are you really that great of an actor or are you really that great of a comedian? But he really is that talented, and also I'll give him his credit. Like, I didn't really watch a lot of his, like, stand-ups. I didn't really watch Community, that like, uh, often at all. And his music I was only really exposed to was, like, the, the popular stuff, the poppy stuff. So, I uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, this is
2: like the first song yeah. by him that I've actually like, listened to. I haven't listened to any of his yeah, other songs. Redbone
1: is really good. I'll give you that. Yeah, one. Redbone. Redbone's Redbone Redbone. good. But like some of his other stuff was like, uh, uh, it was like, No Matter What You Say or What You Do. was that one song. It's like, it's like, it's like, it so like, it like, it like, 3005, I think it was called 3005. It was like, where he's kind of like singing and stuff. So that was a really poppy song. So that one was kind of like, ah eh, like, that's not my cup of tea necessarily, mm-hmm. type of music mm-hmm. that I necessarily like. So I kind of like, didn't, you know, give him as much credit. But then, like, I saw Atlanta recently, and, like, season one, I've, like... Is I, that on
2: Netflix?
1: It's on Hulu, because okay. it's an FX show right now. Um, they just, I think they just finished season two, so I got to, like, catch up. But Atlanta season one was really good, mm-hmm. and, like, I was, like, it kind because when you get, like, kind of a show, and you can present your own, like, worldview in terms of how the characters react with each other and stuff like that, I'm kind of, like, damn, okay, okay, I, ca- I can see it now, so... Yeah. And then when like this is America came out, I like tuned into that, cause he's having he's been having a little bit of a moment like recently, cause
2: yeah he's like in the spotlight.
1: Atlanta's now. blowing up, um, like his music there's been a lot of like demand because he's saying he's gonna do his last Childish Gambino album, um, was gonna be this one, um, then there's like I'm trying to think, what else he's, he's had some other stuff. Yeah. he's he's in the new Star Wars solo han solo movie
2: is that coming out soon
1: i think it's out this weekend or next weekend or something like that i think yeah it's coming out soon so he's he plays orlando Carlisian, uh who's like the only black character in like the the whole like star the original star wars like uh because used to be billy d williams was the the actor who who played him so he's like in the star wars like world now and he's like the host of snl last weekend and yeah, I think
2: that's where he ha- he also revealed his This Is America song, right?
1: I know he performed it. Like yeah, he that, performed it. Yeah. I don't know if it dropped before or after, but uh, the video. but The video's blowing up now. And so now I've been like, I'll give this. This dude this yeah. dude is like, okay, you got my stamp of he's, approval. He, like, you like keep, doing keep doing your thing. Keep doing your thing. Keep yeah. doing your thing. Because the thing about it too, I'm like... He could do a little bit of everything. Yeah, why can't I do a little bit of everything? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, exactly. I'm like, why not, man?
0: So, Role model. Yeah,
1: well, do podcasting I'll sure is one thing. Yeah, yeah. I did like my first uh, comedy open mic on Wednesday too. You did. Yeah, I did. Yeah.
2: I think I think Michael told me about it.
1: Yeah, I went with him. Oh man, he was. Uh,
2: was he good? How was it? He was a little I, sloppy. I wanna go. I wanna go um, like on the weekends. I Told <laughs> him like, hey, let me know when you're going on the weekends.
1: You. He was a little sloppy. He oh. was getting a little, do a little drunk. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> he was. Yeah. Yeah. When he got there. Where too. was it?
2: In Sunset Beach.
1: Yeah, I was like in a little this little bar in Sunset. It was like it was like not that many people like maybe like 10, 10 or so folks. How long was it? His, uh,
2: his comedy act?
1: He went about like five minutes or so. Everybody went about like five minutes. Five to 10 minutes was probably the longest.
2: I want to uh,
1: go. That's I usually how the mics it are. It's like, it's a lot of like hit or miss and it's a lot of people Just trying stuff out too Yeah It's not just so, like comedy
2: right There are like Maybe poetry reading
1: Some of them are like that This one was just A strictly comedy night okay. So like there was people who came I talked to some of the other guys That, that perform and stuff like that And I was like telling them That's my first time They're Like hey man You didn't do too bad And I was like So you oh, went on right. stage too? Yeah 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 I went Nice Yeah yeah I performed a little what, bit What
2: were some jokes that you said?
1: I was like talking about Like my family Um I was just basically Making fun of myself I was What did I say? I was like uh there was some dude who was persian who went on before me and so like I, in the past i've gotten like asked if i'm persian and stuff like that and i was like i like one of the first things i was like yeah you know great to be here and everything um you know i gotta like uh you know my name's mario and everything like that but no well, first off no i'm not an italian plumber no i'm not um an italian indie car driver and i'm definitely not a, a now disgraced like foodie food critic in new york city he's like mario but um, mario batalla yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so like mario Andretti's like the indie card just so like i was like all right not any of those guys so i get a lot of people who ask me like you know like what's what's uh, you know, my background or my ethnicity and i was like what did i say it's like um like no you're italian it's like yeah you're italian and they're like nope not no sorry man sorry and it's like i guess some other people are like oh uh, my bro 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 uh my friend my friend are you persian are you persian you homie I'm like, nah, man, not Persian. Not like the Persian <laughs> homie out here, right here, um, who was on mic earlier. And then, like, uh, I was like, nah, basically, I'm kind of like a run of the mill Mexican. Although, no, time out, time out. I won't say I'm run of the mill Mexican. I'll say I'm hella Mexican because <laughs> when you say hella like depending on where you are north, north or north, north south. or south or fresno yeah like, <laughs> you, you know you might be like in the good graces with everybody or shit you go to the wrong place you might get banged on some socal so vets so, 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 and some suedeños or whatever like you go to the wrong swap meet or the pool guy or whatever bro like you start saying hello a little too much they might start looking at you whatever way. but uh yeah and then I, and I started going into like my family and then i was like i had this thing where i was like saying that like My grandpa, when he first came over to the U.S., he was like uh, had a uh, a contract with the U.S. government, Mm -hmm. like to go pick, like you know, be a farm worker. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, most people are like, have no concept of what that means. But like to me, I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Like they don't pick up anybody. You gotta be so strong, motherfucker, to be chosen. I'm like, man, that's like my grandpa's like a part of the A team, but for Mm -hmm. like picking fruit or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) So.
2: So did you get some like good laughs from the audience? I got a couple. I that's got a good, couple
1: That's good, that's good. Um and then I was like saying about how like like my grandpa he came over, he was like real hard worker, you know, up before sun, you know, before the sun came up. And so I was like, Yeah, he's more of like a five AM like waking up type of Mexican. Mm-hmm. He's that type of Mexican and I was like, My dad, he's been here, he's like did work. he did some work in the fields and stuff like that, but he's also college educated and so he's like works hard but at the same time he's like you know, he's American too. Uh, like, culturally and everything, so I was like, my dad, he works hard, but if he has to be in there at 8 o'clock, he might get there at, like, 7.56, 7.58, 8.02, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's a Mexican, he might wake up at, like, 7 a.m., so that's, like, early, but he's not going over the top like crazy, uh-huh. and then I was like, and then I was, I, was saying, I was like, yeah, he's the type of Mexican that, like, growing up, used to tell me, he's like, hey, man, bitch you I could have went D1, could have made the NBA if you're freaking grandpa would have let me play instead of picking fruit <laughs> like in the basketball season <laughs> I was like damn, i sorry he's that kind of kid type but yeah, maybe he yeah. like had some uh, dreams and ideas and stuff like that but mm-hmm. works hard and has like got me into middle class and all that stuff got my family into middle class so like yeah. he did his thing and then now uh, me my generation I'm the over entitled like mer- spoiled American like Americanized brat who like is like playing video games all the day and like lazy as hell is like does this <laughs> Still wants, still like getting money from his parents and shit, <laughs> paid rent, and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm the mix that wakes up at nine o'clock or like ten o'clock. <laughs> if you leave us alone, <laughs> like, like I'm the boy that giving us a bad name about being lazy certain times, and stuff like that. I was just, I was talking about that. And then like, what was my closing joke? Was that like, uh, like I was saying like, yeah, it's funny how like certain stereotypes are like, um, kind of don't make sense if you think about them at the same t- point. So like. Mexicans are also the, some of the hardest working people. But they're also some of the laziest people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense if you just take them on the surface. But if I start thinking about my lifestyle, like what I do, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if you give me a task or an order, or a job to do, like, I'm going to do it for sure. Like, you know, I'll get it done. It might be like... A- day or two or a week or a month later but I'm gonna get it done or if you tell me to go like I need them I need you to mow the grass like by the end of the day I'll be like all right I got you I might be starting at like six o'clock or seven o'clock. <laughs> I like, am be outside. I was just saying, I was like, you might see me outside in the it's middle like of pitch black you need darkness. You're the pressure <laughs> of the deadline. To, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way <laughs> Yeah, but I'm procrastinator like crazy. But I was saying, like, yeah, you might see me out there in the middle of the night, like freaking starting this lawnmower, like, <laughs> and you see the neighbors, you're like, shut the hell up like and I can't even hear nobody because I got the freaking long see me out there with the headlamp looking like a Chilean miner in the middle <laughs> like in the middle of the night just like freaking doing yard work just all dirty and, and I've done that before <laughs> like there's some truth to that for sure uh, but, but yeah that's that's kind of that's kind of what I talked about that's like the gist of like my little set that I did that's like
2: good.
0: Yeah, so that was so
1: okay. So it was, like,
2: five minutes as well? Yeah, just, just, a, just
1: about five minutes. I got okay. to the end of that joke, and I kind of, like, flopped, and was like, ah, uh, and here's April. Like, back again. <laughs> like, kind of just, like, yeah, it didn't, didn't end it on the best note. But, you know, it was just throwing shit out there. It was a good first
2: there. experience, you
1: know? Yeah, ex- yeah. Like, like anything. You can, you're never going to be, like, perfect at, when you do something There's the first time. You're going to lose. And that's it was, true it was too a good try. if i flop in front of five people it's like there's only five people who see this <laughs> <laughs> like, like whatever it's like la is a huge city and there's like yeah, tons yeah. of comics that go to these open mics and stuff like that i'm like i might not ever run against these people ever again yeah. in my life but I like really did it but it wasn't too bad though it was so funny like the the main lady who was like hosting because uh when you host you like you do jokes but then You do jokes in between, introducing people. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, let's give it up for Mario over here. Woo! And then, like, you say a couple punchlines or something like that. All right, next uh, our next guy coming up. And, like, you know. Yeah. She came up to me afterwards and was like,
2: hey, you he didn't do too bad.
1: And I was like, sweet. Awesome. I, I was like, cool. And I guess, like, yeah, only way. She's like, you, you did all right. I was like, cool. Only so, way was way... the host
2: the owner of
1: the, the bar? Or whatever? No, no. She's just, like, probably one of the local comedians or whatever that okay. was there that probably helps run it. And she's like, asked, like, hey, man, we'd love to have you back again. You know? Cause they, really? They, she said that? Yeah, because they don't have that many people, too. Because uh, it was like a small, like, it was like like i said maybe 10 12 people like total there's some people who were there early and like left and some people like who came later and like left but you know. also
2: it was on a weekday like on a wednesday night
1: yeah and it's like sunset beach isn't a comedy mecca or like yeah. <laughs> or anything like that either There's some people who drove in from la and like there's some most people from like OC. yeah yeah but i
2: told i told michael to in- invite me when yeah, weekend Yeah I want to like I, I was,
1: prefer the weekend I was looking up some like Other like open mics In like the area And there's like one in Torrance That they do on Thursday nights So But that one is like More of like a free for all Kind of like They do like, like you know, Spoken word Or like poetry And stuff like Ooh, that So yeah
2: let's check that out So there's
1: that one It's actually like Right near like One of my old jobs <laughs> Like the, <laughs> the bar That we used to all go to After work Is like right across the street From where really? this little like Cafe is at Or something like that Yeah Um but yeah, I was thinking about that and like looking up some other places too. There's like there's a bunch of them, and there's, there's certain websites I have like them listed, but like some You've of just been like Googling them. I was just I was just okay. Googling them. There's like a whole like network of people like comics that go to these open mics, and sometimes they run into the same folks. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if I like start doing these more often, I'm gonna start asking them which other ones they go to, or yeah, if, like if I want to like like
2: network.
1: Yeah, I mean, see, make see, friends, see, friends. yeah, see if anything comes of it. Yeah, but we'll see. So like that's kind of like my like childish gambino doing a little some other shit. Yeah, like thing, so. that's awesome. I mean, you're
2: doing yeah. podcasts. Podcasts comedy
1: Yeah, try to do sports broadcasting. But like that's kind of like the the world for me getting into the world. It's like I don't feel like it's a the right vibe of like what I would want to bring to the table necessarily, like. Um, a lot of sports broadcasting you gotta like start off and like do like very small markets and talk about like these like you know minor league teams or like these lower level teams and stuff like that and like for me it was difficult to have keep that interest in it mm-hmm. and to keep moving and pursuing like there's only certain things about the sporting world that I'm really balls deep into but like I really love it yeah like, I love the NBA and I love like NFL and but I don't give too much a crap about college basketball or college football and so like
2: how do you feel about March Madness?
1: March Madness is fun to watch and to consume, but I'm very conflicted knowing that there's these college students that don't get paid and like they don't, I know a lot of How times they don't get paid. They get a lot of times they get screwed over from like a lot of the way the NCAA handles them and stuff like that. Yeah, and there's I, a I lot th- of roles that are very I think oh their man. their
2: reason for it is because they don't want them to like drop out of college and be NBA stars. But like come on. No,
1: that I mean there's
2: Like no. seriously, they should get paid. Like they want to, I th-
0: I feel
2: like being yeah. a, a, an NBA player, which is probably what they're aspiring to. I think that's oh, great. Yeah.
0: but they the, get
1: the thing is, is ninety five like, percent of all the college athletes that play basketball don't ever make it to the NBA. Like it probably, it's probably a small even percentage of that even too. So, like the NCA in in essence is kind of like the minor leagues for the NBA, right? But they don't have to necessarily. NBA doesn't have to, out of their own pocket, go and you get the coaches, get the development to move them along. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the pipeline that's been created for them already. So if they don't have to put a dime into it it's already existing, then the NBA has, like, they benefit to a certain extent from, like, NCAA existing and being the de facto, like, Recruiting model because like you get these student these student-athletes that come into the schools They play for the teams they get on TV They get noticed and then the NBA teams are like, oh, okay Like this guy might be legit prospect or this guy right here He you know last year wasn't too big on the radar, but this year he's killing it So it's like okay now we got to take notice and you know If uh, and then if they the interest is kind of mutual then they agree to go into the draft and then they might be selected but the NCA, along the way, they rake in millions off of endorsement deals and, and millions like off of advertisement.
2: People, people betting on March Madness, like where yeah. does all that money go if it's not going to the basketball players themselves? Well, is the, it going to the coaches. The betting, NCAA? the betting
1: is, is is it's it might change now actually, but because there was actually a, the Supreme Court this week actually changed a ruling to make it so the states now have their own it's discretion? A, discretion in terms of being able to implement sports betting. So, yeah, I think I remembered reading about that. So one. now sports betting is gonna be like more oh, above water, illegal now versus how it is today, where like it's all under the the table, it's all shady. You have bookies, the bo- If you don't pay your bookie, he might come knock your kneecap out or something like that, like just for looking for his his money, um, which happens because like a lot of bookies tend to be like shady figures and stuff like that. Um, and but like people do this like legally in Vegas. People do it legally in the UK a bunch of times. They have apps on their phones where they can place bets on, like, soccer matches and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, in the middle of the match, be like, I think this team's going to come back mm-hmm. and win. So you put, like, a couple pounds on it or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's, like, just, like, nothing, right? Yeah, yeah, So I think that'll eventually take it, come over to the U.S. and stuff. But it'll also, like, a lot of the money that was taken, it was under, like, the, the um, was illegal. It was, um not brought to the light, right? So like that money was just taken and it could have been used for other nefarious things, right? So if like a bookie is tied to like uh, a street gang or a mob or something like that, mm-hmm. then that money could be used to like do whatever they, the mob wants because mm-hmm. the money gets funneled up that way, right? Nowadays, if it's the governments that are like implementing this then they can tax it and actually use it to like pay for firefighters and fix roads mm-hmm. and like in theory, yeah, what ends up happening true. is sometimes is like the politicians take that money and they just put that in their pockets yeah. and like they line their pockets that way or they have, they'll, they'll make it so it's like alright we want to do some construction work well the politician happens to own a construction company that gets the license to do the work and so even though it's not like actually taking money and put it in their pocket it still eventually ends up in their pocket anyway, right? Mm-hmm. That does happen a lot or there's like business interests and political interests get tied yeah. or it's like, hey, you're my friend, right? You own like, a, um, um, let's say a company that does, uh, makes, manufactures the handcuffs for prisoners, right? Uh-huh. Um, you have a vested interest if I'm a politician and I decide to pursue making a new prison contract in my county, right? So if I get a new prison that gets built, that means you get profit because we need to order those handcuffs mm-hmm. and we need to order uniforms and we need to order food. Mm-hmm. And we need to have people that, you know, work the, the, the you know, to be the, the guards and everything like that. So they become embedded with, they embed with each other and then they create like, this is like the prison system just in, as an example. But like, then you create a prison and then now what you need, well, now what do you need? You need to fill the prison. So mm-hmm. now, what are we going to do? Let's go into certain communities that might not have the best chance to represent themselves, and then let's target them, whether consciously or subconsciously. This is what's happened in America, and then now you get disparities and like, like
2: racial profiling, racial from cops, p- mm-hmm.
1: and then you get. Um, and the the main tool that the law enforcement used to target these like people of color in these like minority communities is the war on drugs, when. For most of like the creation of like the world drugs. the
2: opioid on drugs. crisis?
1: Not necessarily the opioid crisis because that actually tends to affect more... Uh, people who are
2: prescribed opioids.
1: Right. And that tends to be like more of a, an upper class person or more middle class person. Mm-hmm. Those people tend to be more white in America. So a lot of the opioid crisis is it's affecting more of the white communities now. Which it's not coincidental that it gets more press because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if brown people or black people are hooked on crack cocaine then the press is that's out of mind out of sight out of mind you right sometimes if it's like especially because the press traditionally has been mostly white like if you gotta think about like mm. traditions of it and where it's coming from so they might not be as in or might not be caring as much for like the hiv epidemic for like the gay community that mm-hmm. happened or like the crack cocaine epidemic that's happened but now since the opioids There tends to be a little bit more whiter than sometimes they get a little bit more press because of it Mm -hmm. So there's like the media kind of like is a little bit involved in it, but too, but anyway Mm -hmm. Marijuana Regulate laws and stuff like that tend to be highly disproportionate Against black people or brown people and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, and like it's also it also makes it even worse with like mandatory minimums
1: Exactly it all ties into each other So you keep that guy in that prison and that means the person who pays for his, the bed sheets, the pe- person who pays for his food, um, the person who pays for the, um, or provides the, like, uh, the, the uniforms and everything like that, all those people get paid every time that dude stays in that cell every single day, right? You got to think about it because, yeah, like, yeah. It's, a, it's a contract. So if uh, the reason why people have been resistant to, like, changing this stuff is because you're taking money out of their pockets kind of thing. So there's people so who lobby and it always for like these. just
2: comes down to money. You money follow, is follow like you follow the money. Counter.
1: You follow the money that's yeah. where it happens. But what what's what's key though is that a lot of these like uh, places that still have like anti-marijuana laws, their um, the rates and usages like all the studies have said that white people and brown Mexican people or Latinos and black people they all use weed at about the same percentages percentage yeah, wise. but
2: it's black and brown people that are mm-hmm. incarcerated the exactly. most
1: exactly because if you think about it if you go into like a, a bad neighborhood or like a, a you know a lower class income neighborhood then if you arrest some people if you're a little shady in terms of being able to like try to pick up and like uh, find people who have weed when you do find those people And, um, well, even if you don't find those people, you tend to be targeting the community more so, so that they become defensive and they don't want to, they see you as a threat versus as being like someone who can be helpful towards their community. So then they're not going to be willing to help you like be a a witness in investigations. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be willing to help, you know, give tips in terms of like, um, you know, crimes that have happened they're gonna be less willing to help you because it seems like you're attacking them yeah and then a lot of them become physical and they become brutal and stuff like that too so when you get situations like that it's like a lot easier to take people from like black or brown communities and you know violate their civil rights because they have no less of a way to recourse to like come back at them Mm. if you go into like beverly hills and if you start like not like pulling over a lot of cop cars or a lot of if you start uh, flashing your lights on a lot of uh, middle-aged like uh, white folk that are in there who look like they're middle little like well off you might find and catch them at the same amount of rates that you can but those people might also have ties to like the police unions those people might also have ties to you know business governments and they might have connections they might sue the police department, the police department now has to put a bunch of money into counter suing the people Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so if you're a police officer, you're like, I don't want to go through the hassle of trying to, you know, like uh, arrest somebody for this or maybe go outside the lines over here but at the same time, I have my police uh, commanding officer who tells me that I need to get my arrest numbers up or something like that.
2: Like the stupid quotas. Sometimes
1: they'll have quotas or like uh, like un- unofficial quotas and stuff like that. So they have that pressure to come down and like make arrests. So it's like, hmm, where can I do it and get away with it? So sometimes they, they target the yeah. poor communities. And yeah. those poor communities tend to be black and, and Hispanic or just minorities in general. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it creates a whole like situation where it's like a, it's like a loop that just keeps yeah. happening like you get the people who um yeah you just go right into prison and then they're the recidivism res, recidivism yeah. rates are crazy you can't vote i don't, c- think, like, vote. Like, I don't think
2: drugs should uh, be criminalized like you know like as bernie was saying yeah. i think they like they should be taken to like some form of rehab or something to right. prevent addiction i think that's how it's like in like countries where they don't yeah. criminalize drugs and it's.
0: There's very
1: few of them now. Yeah, it's because America, as being like a leader militarily wise, they always try to um, implement like their perspective and thought towards other countries, and that's one of the ways that like you have to agree with we agree with, and then we'll 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 give you benefits like we'll give you military help, or we'll give you you know economic relief or things like that, or we'll give you like um, you know. We won't put any tariffs against, you know, importing goods from your country, things like that. So, yeah, you're exactly right. Like, the, that was one of the things, too. I did, like, my senior thesis, kind of, like, on the war on drugs, uh-huh. uh, like, in college. So, I, like, dove, dove headfirst, like, into all that stuff um, and how everything relates with each other.
2: Like, they need to find support programs and everything.
1: Right. There's, like, Portugal is, like, one country that, like, decriminalized a lot of stuff. I know weed has been like decriminalizing a lot of other more more nations. We're seeing a lot of mm-hmm. good stuff come out here and, and, and like yeah. in terms of just the US recently, yeah. which is like in my lifetime has been like it's fucking amazing to actually see it, things happen. Because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. there's like for generation after generation, everyone was like the same had the same perspective of like, ah, fuck it. Like they're never gonna come to like, you know, legalize, my legalize it or just like decriminalize it even. They're not gonna stop arresting people for it. And now things are like way different where it's like, Oh, shit, no. It's legal. It's legal now. Like, there are, the like, state,
2: dispensary shops.
1: The state of Colorado, they collected so much in taxes. They had, like, a upper limit, a barrier, right? There's so much that the that the, the Colorado state government could actually make. They passed that limit in, like, the first year that it was fully legalized. And mm-hmm. they actually had to give back, like, by law, they had to give back um, a few dollars each to every citizen in the state of Colorado because they generated so much more taxes wow. than they anticipated like it hit the over the hit the threshold the upper end threshold and so they everybody got like a dollar 57 or something back <laughs> something like that. but then if you think about like the millions of people that yeah. live in colorado it's like holy shit like there's like way more than even anticipated and those funds that are going to like teachers and to you know you know law enforcement and like all this other stuff like like infrastructure exactly it's like that is more of a benefit than actually trying to arrest, arrest and, like, stigmatize animals, these people, yeah. especially now that we can know Have, like,
2: a criminal record, making it more difficult for them to get a job, you know. Yep,
1: yep. You make it easier for them to want to keep go- staying in that dark like, world. Yeah, so they like, keep
2: on going this continuous cycle, like, yeah, you know, like, the recidivism rate, like, as you said. Like,
1: I have friends that have, like, been dabbling and like, been drug dealers and sold weed or sold other things and stuff like that, too, and it's, like, when you're in that world, it's difficult to, like, want to get yourself out of it, too. And, like, when, like, you if you do go through the prison system or stuff like that, or if you do have something on your record, uh, then it's, like, hard to get a legitimate job. So then, like, the only other options are, like, illegitimate. Or, like, at least in your mind, you're, like, it's way easier for me to go illegitimate than it would be to go legit, even if it comes with its own risks. But mm-hmm. this is all I know, and this is all I've been taught. And so, like, that they kind of stay in it. So it's a, it's a sad, like little, little merry-go-round that kind of happens. It's just like, and then, and then if you take a father out of the home, then the family's kind of broken. The son doesn't have a guidance like he normally would. Then, um, the son might also get fall into the same temptations that Mm -hmm. the dad did Mm -hmm. the the son falls into those temptations. He gets into prison. Maybe the son is like 18, 19. Maybe he has a child now that child doesn't grow up with a father, and it's just a cycle that yeah, keeps it's going. An it's an generational. It's generational.
2: Like there's, there needs to be a way for it to be broken. Right. Yeah, so I think. I think they're they're probably gonna talk about that at our event that we're going to. Oh yeah, that's right. The right. justice event. Yeah. It's a, Bernie's gonna be there. Bernie I'm Sanders. so excited. That's true. You know, I, that should be good. <sighs> I'm just, like, I've never heard him talk, so I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, going to be fangirling.
1: <laughs> like Bernie bros up there. <laughs> uh, everybody with the the t-shirts from two years ago and everything. I had, a, um, I had like, a, a pin that I bought because I went to one of his rallies, actually.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I don't know. Did, did I tell you about that? I but, think
2: when he was campaigning for his presidency.
1: Correct. Okay, yeah. So, I, I think I texted you, I think, mm-hmm. a little bit of it. But, yeah. He stopped in Stockton, my hometown like randomly when I was home that weekend so really? I was like or that week. Um, Where
2: did he have his um, his rally or his talk in Stockton?
1: There's a so Stockton has a port. It's mm-hmm. like the one of the it's like the or the second most inner like inland port in all of America. And so, even though it's in Central California, south of Sacramento, it, yeah, it touches yeah. it because of the Sacramento River and everything like that. There's like a bunch of uh, tributaries and waterways and stuff. So there's a port in Stockton for I don't know how the fuck is possible, but it is. So like, <laughs> the, but there's like a waterfront area like by the port, and there's like this grass area, and there's like they have different events mm-hmm. in the past. They would do because like the they have local festivals for different fruits and stuff like that. And so Stockton's their festival is the Asparagus Festival oh. because. A lot of asparagus grew in the marshlands because of where the water would like touch and stuff like that. Traditionally, that's what happened. They don't grow as much there anymore. Um, Yeah, farming has really taken a dive uh, in certain Mm -hmm. places, uh, economic wise. Uh, That's another discussion. Anyway, (laughs) they used to like they would throw different events and stuff right there, and they have like this one area that has like this huge like awning and like they built a stage right there in front, Mm -hmm. and it was really cool. Um, And so even before he went on though. He got introduced by this guy named Michael Tubbs, who's that current mayor of Stockton. He's currently the youngest mayor of like a, like, a, like any city in America. I think we have like uh, half a million people, something like that, in Stockton. Uh, 400,000 people, somewhere around there. It's a pretty, pretty decent size, like middle middle city. But he's like 27 years old, black kid who Stanford educated and um is like a lot of people have uh thought of him as kind of an example of uh somebody coming up and like being a um you know a model for things that can be done for change in the future yeah because he was like really trying to reinvigorate stockton and try to make improve improvements on the city there's a lot of people who have like had some beef and issues with how he's going about doing it but I'm commending him for like at least you know trying new things Yeah. Um, and he's actually gotten a lot of national attention recently because he did um, he's started a program that is like trying to incentivize people to not be gang members and stuff like that so it's almost giving it's like giving certain people a stipend if they hit certain like uh, um, uh, barriers in terms of like not being um, involved in any, any violence and like going to school or classes things like that and so it's kind of like the experiment with um universal basic income ubi yeah so he's kind of it's kind of like a pilot program they started i think in like oakland because there was like a nonprofit organization that wanted to implement this initially mm-hmm. and so they started it i want to say in like oakland and he learned about him and he knew the people and as soon as he became mayor in stockton he started to implement it in stockton as well and it's got national attention It was on the Daily Show Like cool. they did a whole segment on it wow. And uh, wow, that's awesome They interviewed some of the people that were there But obviously the, the flip side of the coin is like People are complaining like You're just making people entitled This is another government handout that you're giving to people You're giving basically You're asking people not to be gang members And you're giving them money for that Like how that's that seems immoral Like there's, there's a lot of people on that side of the fence That are thinking it that way
2: I think it's like a means of prevention you know?
1: Exactly So if you have the means to pay for your base so a little bit more of your basic necessities you're not going to be as desperate to want to go into those yeah. like riskier shadier things where you might get shot and killed or you might end up in jail or you, you might end up losing family members because mm-hmm. of it like I've personally lost family members and stuff because of the war on drugs in certain in like gang wars and things like that because Stockton is a crazy like it's crazy city like on its surface you think of it and it's like almost like a the the model city of like a middle america of uh because it has a it's very racially diverse and ethnically diverse um but at the same time it's also very it can be very segregated like i was saying before and it's very uh much um you know there's different pockets of communities around Mm -hmm. there so There's a lot of people that, like, I I grew up with. Like, some of my best friends growing up were Japanese, Pakistani, uh, Nigerian, um, Jewish, uh, Mexican, uh, Italian, Portuguese, Greek, uh, Filipinos, uh, Tongan, Samoan, um, Vietnamese. like that's awesome. Like, it goes on and on. Like, there's a a big Sikh community that lives out there. Uh Um, Like, you know, there's just... Just normal other black people Normal other white people And yeah. stuff like that So like we had like a good amount of people I was exposed to a good amount of stuff So I think it gave me a good perspective Of
2: like Yeah I think that's like the good thing About yeah. living in such a diverse city Because right. like, like I grew up yeah. in Long Beach Right. Long Beach is like super diverse And you yeah. know it exposes you To all these different cultures And makes you more open to like Right
1: I So What so, everyone has to say But the thing is though What happens is like A lot of these communities They also create their own gangs as well to protect oh. themselves so then now you have the Mong gangs you have a bunch of mexican gangs you have mm-hmm. like black gangs you got the black biker gangs you have the white biker gangs you've got like um yeah like there's different little pockets and stuff like that so there's always been little beefs and little crews that have violence with each other and so it's almost it's really hard to like get away from it and and so i'm very like uh you know i commend like you know the mayor for like actually trying to put, put forth programs that are like things like that that'll try to get people to not think of things in that way and the other problem is too is like after the economy crashed in 2008 like there's like the jobs and the housing market and everything was just like just horrible like the unemployment rate was just sky high no one had anything else to do so if you leave people to their own devices They're going to try to make ends meet any way they can Mm -hmm. some people are going to make the wrong choice and they're going to get into like doing things that are that they otherwise maybe wouldn't have gone into so that also is like played a factor in certain things like when you talk about like the the housing economy like stockton was like ground zero for like everything that happened because you had a lot of people who were like living or working in the bay area right and they didn't couldn't necessarily afford to live in the bay area so what they would do is they would commute from Stockton. It's kind of like if people live in like uh, Riverside and they commute to L.A. or something like that. Or people who live in North Hollywood, they commute to like Santa Monica or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. In L.A. it happens a lot. And, and in the Bay Area it does too. But so it's like an hour, hour and a half commute into the Bay regardless. My dad has done it before too. But So there's a lot of people who moved out and they had like a lot of very, um, they signed a lot of home loans that were very easy to get but were very um like the terms on it were not you know very good in terms of the favor for the homeowner so when the economy crashed um a lot of these people were like defaulting on their loans and like their foreclosures like just up the ass everywhere i remember one point vividly i was with my grandma and she was visiting like one of her friends and we went over to like this other part of community because like in the mid-2000s, like 2000, like early 2000s to like about 2007, 8, like right when the economy went under, there was just like new home developments like springing up everywhere. Like me and my family, we would go look at some of the new houses. like, as I had friends that moved into these new places mm. and stuff and like their families would move in. They're like, oh, we got to design our house, like where what we wanted. We wanted like the kitchen over here, this stuff, because like they would have like templates and you can mm. kind of build it out how you wanted. So a lot of people were really excited, and they had these new homes and everything like that. And then the economy flips, and a lot of these people are, like, forced out of their homes. And then you got, like, foreclosure signs. Like, like I was saying, I was with my grandma. There was one neighborhood, we walked in there. There was foreclosure signs, I want to say, about, like, 85%, 90% of the homes on the whole block. There was maybe about, like, three homes that people were still living and able to live in there. Uh And, like, you think to yourself, like, where the hell did these people go? Like, what happened? Uh And it was, like, it felt like ghost towns at a certain point. The people who were still there living they didn't have a job that they could necessarily find a lot of people got laid off my dad he got laid off in his job like and it threw my family personally for a loop for a while because we were pretty we were pretty good pretty comfortable with where we were but it was literally the day I accepted to go to like Loyola Marymount University my dad got laid off on the job (laughs) so it was like all that stuff hit me all at the same time and it was uh it was crazy, like, mentally, kind of just go through the yeah. th- right that way. But, yeah, there was whole, like, Stockton was, like, ground zero where, like, a lot of mm-hmm. stuff happened. And then you saw the after effects of everything. So then the economy crashed. The, um, recently, there was a lot of government workers that had just signed a new contract with the city and the state and with the county to, like, have a lot of, like, their pensions and stuff because the economy was booming. So they raised that the funding and everything that they were going to get when the economy crashed those contracts were set in stone so now the all the local governments are now like distressed and they don't have funds that they would normally put into like police work or yeah. fixing potholes or you know fixing telephone poles and stuff like that so Stockton as a result the crime rate kind of went up and like the police force and everybody who's like out there patrolling it like decreased a lot and um, there were some people who were like on volunteer patrols and stuff like that and it's like that's not going to be enough to like figure out like the actual fix to try to fix the actual problems that are going on and like i said like you got like random murders on the countryside and shit like that I going know. on so like
0: crazy
1: i mean hell's angels is also has a presence in central valley um mm-hmm. the biker gang i don't know if you know like um uh, um what's that show um uh, hell's kitchen not hell's kitchen but, <laughs> you know oh my god uh sons of anarchy
2: i've heard of it
1: that whole show is basically based off of like the whole area I grew up in. Really? Like they oh. talk about Stockton all the time. Talk about Lodi. Yeah. Um, they talk they talk about San Joaquin County Prison, which is like in Stockton. My one of my uncles is like a, a bail bondsman, and so like I used to go with him every so often to like to the county prison because he would check up on his clients and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? Or like he try to bail somebody out. <laughs> and so it's like funny to me when because I, I used to watch the show and I was yeah. like, oh shit, I'm in there. I know what they're talking about. i was like. <laughs> But, like, they, they, the show is, like, it's, like, in fiction. So, it's, like, it's it's like a made-up town mm-hmm. called Charming. But, like, it's based off of the area and stuff yeah. like that. So, there's some truth to, like, what they're saying. Um, but, yeah. Like, Hell's Angels, like, the biker gang. Like, I remember as a little kid, like, there was one time where, like, where I was in, like, Lodi, the town north of us. And we are like, on a Sunday. And we're, they have, you know how, like, these towns will have, like, little things where they'll have, uh, like, after church, a bunch of stands where the people sell food. Yeah. They have, like, you know, used, you know, knickknacks and stuff like that people like or like a farmer's market type vibe it was one of those i was out there with my family and i was with my dad in particular and we're just standing there out of nowhere about like 60 to 80 like loud ass like harley davidson choppers just roll through with guys wearing like uh leather leather vests and everything looking like Big old scraggly beards and like sunglasses on, like the freaking that white lady at the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they come in through and they're wearing loks on and stuff like that. And they just like super loud. And the, everybody in the whole like couple block radius just freezes what they're doing and just like, like oh, oh shit, like this this is this is like legit. And yeah. so they run through and they kind of like just made the presence known, kind of in the city. They didn't really do they didn't start in trouble yeah. that I remember but it was like a grip of them and we are just like oh shit yeah that's right these fools are here too <laughs> like yeah. and I was like oh fuck and like ever ever since that moment i like for I, like became cognizant and aware of that shit uh-huh. but uh my dad i looked at him and like i was like 11 12 years old when this happened i remember mm-hmm. standing there looking at him and i could tell he was shook by it too and he was grabbing my hand like like you know mm-hmm. i was like whew, my goodness <laughs> like this is like right here on my doorstep man <laughs> so it's like my parents did a great job of making sure me and my family didn't get involved in any of that stuff or yeah we made for me at least I found I I think of it as like I kind of made made my way through it but um that's
0: good
1: yeah they uh they had us very narrow focused (laughs) like yeah to kind of survive that stuff but it's you kind of don't realize how crazy it is until you leave the situation though and then you like live somewhere else and you live a different way and you're like Damn, like that's just like normal. Like you're, you, you, you get a new normal, yeah. like a new sense of normal. So I went to college and I kind of like did that, and it kind of gave me some perspective on things. So
0: yeah,
1: but yeah, shout out to Michael Tubbs though. Anyway, he Woo! let's go back. We're going back. <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back. So he actually was the guy that. Brought on Bernie Sanders though. <laughs> so
2: Wait, and, and the event that we're going
1: to Not on this one. When I oh, went when last, time, last time, oh last time last time I saw him. God. Last time I saw him. Sorry, sorry. Um, uh, but I tweeted about it and he actually liked my tweet or something he retweeted. Michael me. Tubbs. Michael Tubbs did, yeah. So I was like,
2: Oh shit. I hope he took a screenshot of
1: that. <laughs> uh, like, I think he I think he just liked. I can't remember if he retweeted me. I've had a couple of other random celebrities like they don't, like like my stuff on Twitter. I've been I've he- been like the last like half year to a year i've been more active on twitter so like i'll like randomly talk try to talk to these are like like oh man like shout out to sean so yeah like i'll out people and stuff like before like all this stuff that i'm like talking to you about or like that i would say on twitter was just all going on in my head so like eventually i was just like screw this i need to get this out like yeah yeah but um yeah let me see um
2: that's awesome yeah, so, okay, that's cool. So, like, you were talking, you tweeted about how um, Bernie Sanders was going to be campaigning somewhere in
1: Stockholm. Yeah, so, so, no, this is this is for this time. So, this the last time I caught Senator Sanders was summer of 16 at a campaign speech in my hometown of Stockton. We're at Michael D. Tubbs, brought him on stage. I'm definitely excited to catch him again in a few weeks. And I got, I
0: think he retweeted it.
1: Yeah, he retweeted it, yeah, so... Oh my god So I, I got some likes, But
0: not, not,
2: oh Nothing god. too crazy That's awesome That
1: dude He gets a lot of shit On Twitter though Like I said Because there's a lot of people That got backlash against him Some people Might be some racial tension Because he's a black mayor Some people It might be They're just conservative And mm-hmm. it just are Against liberal policies Because mm-hmm. uh, there are A lot of like Conservative people Who kind of live in That area Because it's a farming community too And so there's a lot of Economic like value Of like That come from like farm work and farm yeah. labor which means there's a lot of like white landowners tend to be like farm owners and there's like traditionally a lot more mexican farm workers
0: mm-hmm.
1: so like uh that's kind of the the scenario too yeah although i will say it, it's it's changed there's been some like people like my grandfather who like eventually became farm, o- farm owners themselves so they were able to work up their way up that ladder but there's still a lot of other people who are still like you know somewhere lower on the rung right yeah so, that, that's part of the community that, that I grew up in, too. So, it's uh, it's kind of a weird melting pot type of thing. Yeah. So, um, it's, uh, but it's uh, it's very, I would say my, my, my childhood was pretty unique. I don't know.
2: That's good. It's in a g- good way.
1: Yeah. In, in, in some good ways and some bad ways, too. But, you know, it's like, uh, for me, it's the way I keep going is just focusing on the, the good stuff, obviously. Yeah, so. exactly. That's that's how I, I get the the fuel to keep me moving forward. But Bernie should be cool though.
2: Yeah, I'm really I'm really excited. He was cool. He, his
1: speech was was awesome. It was was crazy about it when I saw him last time was that they announced it like a few days before that. that hey, because he was in Sacramento like that weekend, mm-hmm. and then it's like two days later, like on a Tuesday, he was like, hey, I'm gonna try to be in Stockton. His rally was at like 11 o'clock noon. In the middle of the day on a Tuesday, and there were still a few hundred people that went and showed up, mm-hmm. even in Stockton, which is not that big of a community, you know. And Sacramento, they had it like on the weekend, like on a Saturday or on a Sunday, and it was, I think, at Sacramento State at the football, um, or the football field, and they filled up the stands, and wow. they filled it up so much that there were people capacity, they reached capacity, and there's there was thousands of people outside that couldn't get in to hear him speech speak, and so like he had that much like pull and, like, attention wow. and support from people. Yeah. So, like, it was... It's obviously... He was a soldier going through it. He was screwed from the get-go. I don't know if you paid attention to how, like, the De- Democratic Party basically handed over the, the nomination to Hillary. Like, she bribed a lot of, like, the people who are part of the... um, What do they call it? It's, like, a committee that gets to vote. PAC? Uh, not the PAC. It's, uh, like, political... Um, Members of the Democratic Party. um, It's like the superdelegates or something like that.
2: Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So
1: she she got a lot of all of them in bed on her side before even like she started campaigning and stuff like that. So if it's if it seemed like the Democratic Party was just like, ah, whatever, it's going to be Hillary. It's because of that. Like they all were kind of like just kind of forcing her through, forcing her through. So it seemed like she earned the nomination not through merit, but kind of like work in the system Mm -hmm. and there was a long breakdown that i read about it and there was like campaign finances that were like all being pushed towards her Mm -hmm. and they weren't being invested in terms of local politics like local elections um donna brazil she took over the dnc after debbie wasserman schultz left Mm -hmm. in disgrace um debbie wasserman schultz was somebody that hillary pushed to become a part of like the head of the democratic party and then what happened is she basically set it up for hillary to win so she was doing hillary's work pretty much within the dnc and so like a lot of the funds that would have gone to local elections were going towards the national campaigns and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and so when donna brazil came in and took over for debbie wasserman schultz she was looking at the books and everything she's like What the hell's going on? Why are we so broke? Why, like, where did all this money go? And where did all the funding go? And they ended up tracking it and finding out, followed the money. They found out that Hillary was sending all these bills everywhere to, like, make sure everyone was on her team. And so by the time Bernie was already picking up steam, and when I saw him, it was almost like a fact that he was not going to win by that point. So it was like, but he was such a soldier, and he was such a guy that didn't want to... You know overturned the Apple cart so much because he wanted people to still be involved in politics and yeah. the government that he went kind of he knew the writing was on the wall that he was still not gonna be given a legit fair shot even still he went through the whole process just to kind of um, you know he, he he was the he was the good soldier who did what was told you know and he still fell in line at, at the end mm-hmm. afterwards he eventually became like very much anti-Trump and so this is the best option. And then options. he decided and to endorse Hillary. When that happened too, which a lot of people got mad at him for doing because some people were like no, I can't morally like get myself to vote for her even if it is the better option. And so they lost a lot of voters because of that, yeah. that whole scenario. And so there's a lot of people who I think might have voted differently.
2: Had uh, Bernie been the...
1: Oh, for sure. He yeah. was the one candidate out of everyone who was a def- definitive lock to like get win the election out of yeah. trump it was still questionable out of Ber- out of hillary it was very questionable as we saw and but bernie was the one who all the poll numbers said like if he is a legit candidate on the ticket he, he would have killed trump because yeah he yeah, was very like anti-establishment but anti-establishment on the left side versus anti-establishment on the right side so if you're anti-establishment on the right side, you're, like, anti, like, um, press. You might be, like, anti uh, how Republicans are in bed with certain businesses and stuff like that. And you want to be, like, so Trump kind of presented himself in the conservative circles mm-hmm. a little bit more like that. Like, this is the wild card. He's somebody new. He's not tied. He's not indebted to all these politicians and to, like, all the games that they have to play. Mm-hmm. Bernie did it the other way, where he says, "I'm not tied to all these businesses. I'm not tied to these banks that are helping fund like the uh, Dapple project and things like that that are killing the environment. I'm not for the money being in politics, where all these like biz businessmen get what they want and the laws change." It's like
2: he's not corrupted by money.
1: <laughs> exactly. So he came. He came of it. He 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 tried to be like a anti-establishment, but I think from more of like a morally, um, like a better moral place moral yeah. ground than what Trump was trying to yeah. do. Um so there was a lot of people who are anti-establishment that would have voted for Bernie if he was on the ticket. But since he wasn't on the ticket, they voted for Trump because they thought of him as the next best option in terms of being anti-establishment, in terms of just things aren't working now, we just need to throw we just need to do something out there. Mm-hmm. And so if Bernie would have run, he would have got, like, a percentage of those type of people. Yeah. too So, so Trump's voters would have been suppressed a little bit. But because the Democratic Party had already been in bed and they had already, like... Yeah. They didn't even listen to all this stuff. Hillary was, like, struggling to, like, fill up, like, auditoriums or, like, uh, indoor, like, spaces mm-hmm. and stuff like that to, like, get people to go to her rallies. Bernie, like I was saying, like, literally had football fields worth of people, like, that couldn't make it into a football field. Yeah. Like, in the stands, like... He had legit grassroots like support and effort, he, which is
2: his fan base is like genuine. If it, it like, feels very, like that, yeah. Like even yeah. when you see him like talk at a speech or a rally or whatever, he's he's just so genuine when he talks. You can tell he cares about it, right. whatever he's talking about. And, right. Uh, yeah.
1: So uh, it's crazy that like as old as he is, as being an older politician, he still has a lot of support even to this yeah. day. And there's still people, like, really calling on him to run again in yeah. 2020. Hashtag
2: Bernie 2020. Which,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how successful that could be, but I would not be against him running again, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, mm-hmm. is, like, there's a lot of things. Like, people will nitpick. This is what happens with politicians. is like you'll nitpick of the negative things of what they can do. And you try to make it so they have the least amount of bad qualities or, mm-hmm. like, uh, I guess, things that people might be able to pick apart. And especially with the powers that be. So hes still, even though he's a Democrat, he's still like the, the very far left socialist part of the Democratic Party. And so he's been trying to like kind of push people along for some of those type of like uh, policies that he's been pushing. So if you're somebody who's more of a corporate Democrat who takes like money from these big businesses, like uh, Cory Booker or Kamala Harris even, then they might be thought of as more of a legit candidate because the powers that hold the purses in the Democratic Party, they're like, oh, these guys align with us a little bit more. We're probably going to go with them. So that's Mm kind of what Hillary was, Mm -hmm. Um, which is another reason why you didn't see some of them talk against some of the Israelis who were firing on the Palestinians because they have a vested interest money-wise to Mm -hmm. be protecting them. Bernie was one of the only few people who actually did say, like, look, this is morally unjust in terms of what's going on here. Um, like, this needs to be taken. Like, he spoke on the subject. Nobody else was, everybody else was, lips shut, like, throw away the key type thing. But as soon as something else that everybody, all the Democrats are, like, angry a bit on, like DACA or something like that, then they come back and then they come, like, saying how they're very much for certain communities
2: and
0: stuff Bernie's like that. Like, so. He's like <laughs> a
2: diamond in the rough, like, yeah amidst all of these politicians who are like corrupt by money or whatever he's he still manages to like right just tackle the issue at hand
1: right exactly
2: that's what i really like about him
1: yeah i think a lot of people agree with like exactly yeah that's one of his best qualities It's like he
2: speaks to normal everyday americans and he's pretty
1: bona fide too because a lot of times people can say certain things but how they act is differently like yeah, his, exactly. The history of like everything he's done is like pretty. He's got his he's own. He's been pretty consistent yeah. with
2: everything he's been
1: saying. Yeah, even even to the point of like he got arrested and like for like sitting protesting and, and or protesting something. way back yeah. in the '60s and stuff like that back in Vermont or wherever he was at at the time. Uh-huh. Um, my friend, a friend of mine who actually invited to it, he might join us. Um, okay. Who's like uh, another big Bernie bro? He's one of the guy I would awesome. talk to all the time. He, uh, um. He has a picture, like, on the shirt, because there was a picture of him, of Bernie, getting, like, handcuffed and, like, tied and stuff like that, and, like, oh. black and white, like, by the cops, and he's got, like, that picture, like, on his t-shirt, he's got, like, a t-shirt with it on there and stuff really? like that, and he was wearing the t-shirt, and I was like, hey, man, that's, like, that's an old school Bernie photo, I was
0: like, <laughs> how'd you know, bro, you know, man, he's like, oh, shit,
1: like, <laughs> and it's like, we started talking about that shit, that's so, awesome. like, we, used to, we used to talk about that stuff, Yeah. I haven't kicked it with him in a while, um, kind of had a falling out with one of my old roommates and he was kind of our mutual friend between us Mm -hmm. so uh, i haven't seen him as much as before Mm -hmm. but yeah that was my old roommate about like a year ago Mm -hmm. about a year ago like right around this time Mm we left but uh yeah i'm in a much better place now (laughs) than i was at that point that's awesome yeah it's kind of living with other people yeah I don't know, anything else we didn't touch on? <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like we got, I went through a bunch. I, I, I...
2: We talked about a lot of stuff. We could talk about the, <laughs> we could end it with, like, the books that we're reading. Okay,
1: sure, definitely. What do you, what do you, what do you, uh, what are you diving into right now? So,
2: I recently started Hunger by Roxane Gay. It's a memoir that she wrote. She talks about, like, her struggles with body image and how she turns to food to avoid her troubles. Um, I just barely started, I'm, like, 40 pages in, but it's. Amazing, I think she writes her memoir like she's writing poetry, and I really like it so far. Okay, it's like
1: not traditional. Like, this is what happened this day. This is, yeah. It's more like prose, kind of like. Yeah, I guess you you explain explain how like her writing style is. She's
2: she basically like begins with her life story, like oh like this is how I was like when I was young, and then um then she finds out like but then she Mm. she ends up getting like raped, like Mm. gang raped, and Mm. then she talks about like the change that it had had on her and how she turns to food and yeah it's just it's so heartbreaking the way she takes you to it like the way she goes from like she talks about this and then she talks about that but then she talks about like the, the link in between and mm-hmm. i really like it and it's just it's very sad and but i think she writes beautifully so that's yeah. good
1: that's good so just getting through that one
2: mm-hmm.
0: okay okay
1: Forty pages in—that's a nice little chunk. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, what was I gonna say? You're somebody who like is like pretty studious in terms of reading. Like,
2: thanks. Yeah, I try uh, to. I try to make it a habit. I like to kind of on My downtime. Yeah. Especially like um before I go to bed at night, I try to like turn off all screens. Yeah. Because you know that's yeah. my
1: problem. <laughs> it's
2: it's hard. It's a hard habit yeah, to break. It's, it is. It's really hard.
1: It's like watch a little TV before you go to bed, and then like, but your body's like it's not mm-hmm. what's good for it. It's like your <laughs>
2: mind wants to fall asleep but then you you can't.
1: Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the the blue light from the screens.
2: Yeah, a lot yeah.
1: of that messes with your circadian rhythm. Now, I'm like somebody who um I read a lot of like current event stuff. I don't read like, like novels as uh-huh. much as before, but I've been trying to get a little bit better. Um so I think like what I, what I was saying before Is like I just finished a book uh-huh. Last weekend And Cause I went to like Barnes and Noble's Kind of on a whim Just was like Yeah let me see if I find yeah. Some stuff here And, and Ended up finding a couple books That I was really interested in Cause I had Listened to I'm a big fan of like The Joe Rogan podcast mm-hmm. and Cause he does He's a guy that like Any type of thing That interests him He'll just invite somebody on That has a similar interest So he's oh, kind of like
2: awesome.
1: I've kind of tried to model Some of my podcast styling Into yeah. that way Because like me and you, we have a lot of interest in terms of political talk. Yeah, and stuff.
2: it's great.
1: But, like, my other friends, if I try to bring this stuff up, they just, like, I lose them. Like, But if I talk to sports about them, we could talk for days, uh-huh. right? But I'm not, gonna, I'm not necessarily going to bring up sports <laughs> with you necessarily. No offense or anything like that. No taking. But, or, like, other friends, I might. we could talk about house music for, like, three hours. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then if I talk to him about hip-hop, then he'd be like, he's gone. He's like, lost. You're uh-huh. speaking Swahili to him. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? So, but he's... um. What is going with this? Anyway, he, he talked to a couple people. He talked to one guy who was an ex-war reporter by the name of Sebastian Younger. He's the author of this book that I read. It's called Tribe. And he is the same figure who embedded himself and was a part of... He, he helped bring the documentary uh, Restrepo, um, which is like uh, he embedded himself in like one of the more dangerous like combat units in Afghanistan during the war uh, a few years ago. And was basically trying to present like an accurate portrayal and portrait of like what actually happens to these mm-hmm. soldiers, like what they go through. And it was really good, really insightful documentary. Um, I would recommend it. I think it might be on HBO, okay. or it used to be. Um, I would take a look. That yeah. it's really it's heartbreaking, but it's like it's eye opening too, though. And it's he, he's pretty pretty blunt about like his portrayal of a lot of stuff. Um, so he kind of comes from that background. And basically the book, the premise of the book is he wrote an article um, for some publication, I can't remember, online. And he took the idea from that article and he extrapolated upon it. So basically he was saying that how there was a lot of, he was noticing there was a lot of veterans with PTSD. And like they were having a very difficult time re themselves into American society. And it was like really difficult. And he found like it was something that uh, was not being discussed, not being thought of. And he was like just curious and was pondering upon that thought. And also that he had the same notion idea that like I think one of his family members, his father, or someone like used to explain to him was that it was a funny notion was that when the colonists came to America, or the continent, they uh, it was like two different distinct lifestyles between themselves and the native population that was yeah. happening. Right. in uh, the 13 colonies and all that stuff so there's often squabbles and beefs and things that would happen between them, right? There was some, the French and Indian War, for instance, was one thing that happened. And there's a lot of different, you know, conflicts. And so what would happen is like sometimes is you would get people who would get captured on either end of the, of the society, right? But what would happen is more often than not, when an Indian person was, ca- or the term, I'll use the term Indian because that's what they used. Mm-hmm. Native American mm-hmm. was what we would say now. Because India, India. You know, they just yeah. were confused. Yeah. Anyway, is the, the, that population, whenever they got, like, taken by the colonists, m- like, every single time when they were free, they always went back to their original society, right? Their their tribal tribalistic type of society. Versus in reverse, what, what would happen is there was certain white people who would get captured by, like, the, the native Indians. And... When they were, you know, sometimes it would be brought free or they would be, you know, um, um, you know allowed back into um, European society, colonial society. So there were documented cases of people actually staying with the Indian community or returning to them after they had been there. Oh, okay. There was a lot of, a lot of, they, they were, the Benjamin Franklin, he said, there was a, a passage that Benjamin Franklin wrote in a letter to one of his colleagues where it was like, uh, he, he was explaining that. He was like, it's funny how the white man will want to go with the Indians, but the Indians will never want to go with the white man type mm. of thing. So he almost thought of it as kind of like, is there something wrong inherently with our society and how we deal with things and how things are structured that make it difficult for people to become reassimilated back into it once they're out of it. And the way he kind of viewed it is like the, just being a part of a tribe and being a part of like a community. Yeah, and having those connections and being, uh, having a purpose, and having a focus and having something that, where you create value, uh, to your community and having an input, Um, and so he basically it's like it's it's a pretty. It's only like 330 pages so I read through it actually like in one night which is like that's
2: awesome
1: I had like because I was like go before bed I was like oh, I'll read a chapter and it was like 40 pages into it and I was like let me just keep going Got to about halfway <laughs> and you know what See, let me just let me just let me just bust that's what this happens out when you just, read a really let me good just, book let me just bust this out real quick yeah it was really interesting it was really really good so uh um it goes into he like just starts talking into like how the U.S. society and how tribal societies tend to differ It tends to be more autonomous in tribal societies, even though like there's every member is necessary for the group survival type of thing. So everyone has like a value. And so people don't feel as like depressed or like as like, you know, I'm worthless type of... Like you
2: have a purpose in your community. Exactly,
1: exactly. And he also like made it so the idea of what like a tribe is, is can only be like so small. It has to be like a smaller network of people, of maybe just a few families. Mm-hmm. And anytime it gets bigger than that thing. The All right. So like I was saying, got cut off a little bit. We're going <laughs> to go back. Yeah. Like we're talking about like how the tribe, the size of the tribe can dictate a, how a person views themselves in it. Because if a society is like very large, kind of how like American society is, like mm-hmm. we don't necessarily connect with like a smaller group of people that is like can be like personal we can actually have relationships with uh as much as like other societies in different time periods have had so when you're like a a small native uh, american tribe like everyone is all on the same team and what's crazy is like the tribes they would be willing and accepting sometimes of different people of different cultures like some i'm listening to a podcast by this guy what is it? History on Fire. Uh, this this guy named Danielle Bolelli. He's like this, uh, kind of like a historian. He's like mm-hmm. a, a teacher. I think he teaches at Santa Monica Community College. He was also on Rogan's podcast. This is how I know about everything. <laughs> he just invites everyone Rogan's on. Rogan's podcast. I know. Shout out to him. I need to, um, That's another life goal to be on that show at some point. Um, so yeah, I got to get good at comedy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Um, but anyway, he's... Uh, he had one yeah he, he did like a series on like the Spaniards coming to America and that was one of the things he said is that so there were some Spaniards that left like the Spanish like call like rules where they were and like joined some of the indigenous tribes that were in Mexico yeah. or like in different places and they would be tattooed and they'd have like the you know the, the um, nose piercings and all that stuff and some of them were able to have children and stuff like that and and there was one story in particular where they a, a ship had crashed into, like, the, on, like, the coast in the Caribbean, in Mexico, and some of the people, there like, on the crew that was on there, they eventually, they uh, were starving to death, and they were half happy to be crashed and, like, end up on land, but then the native tribe got them and, like, beat and, like, you know, tortured, and they sacrificed mm-hmm. some of them, but then there was some of them that they kept, right? One of these individuals actually, like, saved, like, the the head chieftain's daughter or something like that or did something, val- you know, valorous or something like, yeah. You know, and eventually they accepted him into their tribe. And mm. so this dude became assimilated into, like, to the, the natives' culture and yeah. everything. And a few years later, I think Hernan Cortez, it was Hernan Cortez or someone had, like, gone on another expedition and had heard about this crash landing and was looking to see if they could find any of these older, other individuals. They found one of them who uh, had survived and was willing to go back with the Spaniards. And he explained to them, like, look, there might be somebody else who's also uh, alive that uh, we might be able to get. I've heard he went to this tribe over here in the south. Um, I think we might be able to go get him. So they went to that location. They found the guy. Apparently they found him with all tattooed out. He already had the daughter and everything. So he was like assimilated into their culture. Mm and he basically refused to go back he's like he's like but you're a good catholic like you were born a good catholic like you should want to come back and be with us and he was saying like look do you see do you see me how i look now like these people would not be willing to accept me anymore because i look like a uh in their minds a savage to them because he had tattoos and like the the, you know Nose nose piercings and everything And it was reported later on that they ended up there was a battle between like the Spaniards and the native tribes and there was a report that they found a white man's body with like tattoos and nose piercings Mm -hmm. among the dead of the natives after they had the battle and so the thought was they put these two and two together what this was the same guy who like got assimilated he even defended the natives against his own people of the spaniards oh. so like that's kind of like the connection that way you're like damn like how deep of a connection is their society have with each individual yeah that people will be willing to go against the background of where they grew up to protect that kind of style of living and things like that so there's like
2: that's crazy. So this is it, all in the book.
1: That's actually not in the book. That was just me putting that connection oh, yeah. from what I learned in like that history section, yeah. that history podcast. But what's in the book is that they definitely do talk about how um, like the the role of women in a society, the role of the, the caretaker, and like um, being a tribe in war versus being a tribe in peace. Mm-hmm. For instance, a lot of the tribes they would have a, a, a war chief. And they would have a chief during Mm peacetime so then if things got hairy the person who was the um the war chief they became in charge and they they everybody who was like the the peacetime chief he fell in line and did everything that needed to be done during that time of war as soon as peace stopped or peace started and the war ended the chieftain removed himself from the role and the peacetime leader Mm -hmm. would, would take take uh take the role because you need two different type of leaders to to rule because the objectives are different, right? Yeah. So they understood that and they were able to like de- uh, like compartmentalize, you know, being in war versus being in peacetime, and to like make a difference. And so, yeah, they're talking about how like the women had tended to have a like more substantial roles in society, and so they felt more like they were you know part of the group and they've yeah, accepted. That's awesome. Yeah, it gets yeah. It gets into it, and it's like, it gets into the details of it, but it's a really good read, It's only like 100 some odd pages. I know I let, I let Maritza borrow it, because... Uh,
2: That's awesome, you guys have your own little book club going on. I guess on. so, yeah, she's yeah. telling me
1: about this other book, this one that so I she's, have here. So she's called... reading
2: it right now? She's yeah. gonna... I gave it to she her yesterday,
1: assumed. I gave yeah. it to her yesterday, she got me this one yesterday. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how long it takes her, because this book's about the same length. That's so good, she this reads This one's... Too. Uh, she was saying she a little bit I okay, think a little bit that's awesome but yeah this one's Between the World and Me by uh it's a Nahisi Coates or I don't know how you say his first name I, I don't think
2: wanna... yeah Ta-Nehisi Coates or Kotas. I'm yeah, not exactly sure pretty
1: sure it's Coates but um mm-hmm. the first name I stumble um I like to be particular pronunciations if I can I think this might come from being like yeah. a sports commentator too yeah cause like knowing some dude is calling some guy's name out and if I feel bad if I mess it up cause you know you never know whose family's listening and stuff like that like that's just like things that can be annoying because i guess growing up my name always got butchered a lot too <laughs> like my uh-huh. last name so i kind of felt kind of way like certain type of ways like all right again they mispronounced me or like oh like, you know what i mean so like with all due respect don't know how to pronounce the name <laughs> so um yeah so that this book is, is pretty interesting I was, yeah. reading, I was reading a little bit it of is a good um, i
2: think it's about a father writing a letter to his son about what it's like to grow up i think black yeah
1: like black in america
2: yeah
1: it's uh, so i'm excited to get into this i'll probably start reading it this weekend uh For sure. you can finish
2: it. that in one sitting too
1: yeah i probably could i need to be patient I was patient reading the tribe book because I was like oh I actually bought this book I'm gonna like invest my time in yeah. it now it's like, man books are like need to make books like more inexpensive <laughs> like new ones yeah, it's yeah like, I walked in there I mean I walked out with two books like $50 like that I was yeah. like oh shit like damn I got ran quick and I had like like four or five of them in my hand when I was thinking about getting them I was like and then I started looking at the prices and I was like oh that's They're right expensive. Oh, I was like, oh shit let me, let me do this a little bit more time <laughs> freaking Barnes & Noble lady maybe look, feel all, like, uh, self-conscious about certain ways because she's trying to get me to join the Barnes & Noble club Yeah, <laughs> you have to pay, like,
2: $25 for that.
1: Yeah, I was like, I got to pay extra now. And it's like, yeah, but if you buy, like, the same thing a couple times later in the year. I was like, sorry, but I don't not know. Like, I know I'm trying to read more stuff, but I don't know uh, the next time I'm going to be in this yeah. Barnes & Noble getting something. Yeah. Because I might just, you know, find something like a used bookstore, like yeah, get it online somewhere else, or like exactly. Amazon, or a borrowed book from like some a friend, and like that can keep me over versus like needing to go back. So she was kind of like, "Are you sure you can do this? You can mm-hmm. get you get all these like you get percentages on get you can get gift cards here." And I was like, "It's like, yeah, I'm good, yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay for now." So she made me feel kind of <laughs> a certain type of way about it.
2: That's good. I hope you like that book. I think yeah. you
1: will. So I got this one to read. And I have another one to read, too. Down here, um, It's this one here. Oh. So this one's called The Corporation. Uh, an epic story of the Cuban-American underworld by this guy, TJ English. This dude, I saw him on the same show, on the same Rogan show.
2: Oh, okay. okay. That's
1: how you found out
2: about this book? I
1: did, yeah, exactly. That's how I found out about this one. And this one is like very, very interesting to me because it's basically about the Cuban mob and how yeah. their connection in, the, in, this is a big book. in New Jersey and in the whole East Coast. Yeah, it's a thick one. This is going to be a long read for me. It's like a historical one. I'm like, like I said, I'm like, I try to be like a historical buff and like learn about yeah. certain things that happened. And this is like kind of like a really untold story because we know a lot about the Italian mob and mafia and like the Irish mob and everything. But the Cuban mob and how they did everything is like not talked about that much. And so...
2: I hope I hope yeah. you really get into reading. Yeah, I just need to get yeah. back into it because like you I used read during lunchtime.
1: Yeah,
2: I listen to I listen
1: to a bunch of stuff in I do not know I just podcasts. Or sometimes I take naps. <laughs> <laughs> need that sometimes, but yeah, this guy was really interesting. He was on the show, and he was talking about it. He was breaking it all down, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Damn, nobody ever taught me this stuff." <laughs> like Yeah. So I was so I saw I found the book there, and I was like, you know what? Let me just get it. Um, because he, w- he went on the show and he went on the show with this other comedian that's like Joe Rogan's best friend. Uh-huh. Uh, one of his best friends this guy named Joey Diaz who's this hilarious, raunchy comedian from the East Coast, from New Jersey. And he's Cuban. And he got in touch with the author, TJ English. And they started going back and forth because TJ was talking about, in his book, about stuff that affected his family and how he grew up. And so eventually they, hooked, they linked up together afterwards. And they they're they talking about it basically on the podcast like um yeah my mom she used to be a part of running the number game and she used to have to give like her certain amount of money to the cuban mob over the, off the top um and people would put in bets and stuff like that and she ran like uh, her own um, her own bar and everything and so the cuban mob would like demand money from her pretty much like uh payment and the other guy, TJ English was going on. she's like, yeah, I know the guy. I did research on the guy who your mom talked with. It was probably this dude who was flamboyant, who was like a, a you know a party guy and was uh, you know a big member of the Cuban mob. And Joey Diaz listening to it's like, I saw that dude. I didn't know who his name was growing up, but I knew of him. And now it's so funny to hear the other side of the story. like he finished like like he knew like a small slice of what that guy was about. This TJ English guy kind of like through records and interviews and everything like that I kind of found a bigger slice or different pie of what he knew about the guy and so when they talk about each other it kind of makes the picture a little bit whole kind of I don't know if that makes sense Yeah, to yeah. so like they were both talking about the same dude but from a different perspective of mm. like oh shit like did you know he did this and he's like no I did it. did you know he, this about him and it's like no I never heard about that so it was like really interesting listening to the show yeah. this is a podcast so they're gonna
2: that's good i hope you end up liking that book too so
1: hopefully yeah i talked a yeah. lot i know I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: no no worries really- <laughs> lots of politics lots of news there's just so much to talk about
1: i know and thank you for uh, coming on i need to this is i need to like stop drowning out my guests with like my thoughts all the time
2: no worries <laughs>
1: so, so my bad if like you felt that way you but... seem
2: like super like informed about <laughs> all of these current events like i said that's good
1: through years it's just keeping it all up in here mm-hmm. and now I finally just said screw it and I'm just gonna yeah do I'm it trying to there. like
2: stay more informed too yeah. just by like listening to podcasts yeah and just reading news articles
1: yeah I would say you're very more i say you're more in touch than the average person or yeah. it was kind of in our demographic mm-hmm. I would say um about different stuff um for me the issue is always kind of like you fall into that too much and it becomes it consumes you and you can get into like a certain way of thinking about like the world is like always on fire and then, yeah you know, even though it literally is like we started the show it's yeah. like, <laughs> it's like lava flowing out of hawaii exactly but, but uh yeah for me it's always been a balance of like how much can i take of that myself mentally yeah and how much do i need to just uh, concern myself with like maybe nonsens- sen- not not nonsensical things, but like things that don't have as much mm-hmm. of a um, importance or like not importance, but you yeah. know like things that it's not life and death. Yeah. So like you gotta have your own other hobbies outside of that. I guess for yeah. me, so I like music yeah. and sports is like kind of that for for me to kind of be on that. Oh, my friend's texting me. <laughs> That might be the cue that we might need to wrap this up, huh? <laughs> this
2: was a good <laughs> podcast talk, though.
1: You want to shout out anything, anybody? Um, or? no,
2: really, that's... I don't really have anyone to shout out, so...
1: You got, you got any social medias to shout out or anything? You don't want anybody um, to stalk you on Instagram <laughs> or anything like that? No,
2: I, I have an Instagram. <laughs> um, it's A-E-R-I-E-L underscore. So, yeah, you can follow me if you want. But oh, uh, honestly, all I really post are just pictures of books and food, so...
1: <laughs> I don't know how if, if,
2: you, if you're we okay with that we
1: haven't followed each other either though what the heck What's, oh
2: my god we need, we need to, to do it yeah. fix right, we'll fix
1: this in a second all right. but anyway you can follow me uh, anything else Are you, anything coming up excited I know we got the Bernie the, rally yeah day. the
2: Bernie event. That, that was my first thing but yeah. that, other than that that's pretty much it
1: gotcha gotcha alright so I'll speak on my behalf then um, yeah tune in give me a like subscribe share give me a follow all that stuff if um, you can find me personally, I got my Instagram and my Twitter. They're under the same handle now, uh, Puro Caballero. That's P-U-R-O-C-A-B-A-L-L-E-R-O, Puro Caballero. That's two words. That's nothing but caballero. Yep. <laughs> 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 caballero is like, means kind of like gentleman and cowboy in Spanish. It's got oh, like cool. a weird kind of semi-double meaning thing. Yeah. So like,
2: like a miss mashup of two words
1: yeah well it's kind of like it's kind of like it's like a word that has meant one thing but like culturally it's kind of taken on a different type of meaning oh okay so like if you're a cowboy generally you've been thought of like as like somebody who's uh you know of a code and like maybe gentlemanly uh, like so that's kind of those two kind of ideas were kind of conflated a little bit and so but, yeah, that's just my last name, Caballero, though. <laughs> but, but a lot of people who speak Spanish are like, oh, that's a, that's a nice last name. And all that stuff. Like, oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, like, I didn't choose it, but thank you. Sometimes I kind of wish it was like I had my mom's last name, which is Garcia, just because yeah. it's, like, easier. Yeah. But then at the same time, I'm like, nah, I'm different. I got to do something. Yeah. I got to rep for this. Uh, so that's kind of how it is. That's kind of the thought process behind my name. Anyway, at Puro Caballero, <laughs> you can follow me. Um, search SoundCloud, Stitcher. Apple Music, iTunes, whatever it is called, podcast that area. Google Play, music. They have podcasts too. It's usually where I listen to stuff since I have an Android. hashtag Team Android, and, <laughs> um, and yeah, TuneIn Radio. I want to say, uh, I would like to get on Spotify, but those dudes are pretty picky with how they pick stuff. They only oh. get like the really big, the big podcasts really? that have like followings. Yeah, yeah. more often. Um, but they're they're trying to get in the podcast game now too. Yeah,
2: like, I noticed that yeah. too. They've
1: been yeah. Every time you're on their homepage, they always yeah, come up they, Now they exactly. always promote them. Yeah. So I've been noticing that. But uh, yeah, maybe someday that's the that's the new goal down the line. But uh, in any event, this has been episode number 24. This is uh, recorded Saturday, May the 19th. Signing off, alongside my friend Ariel. This has been Woo! your host Mario.
0: Bye.
1: Later.